All right, brand new episode. Housekeeping stuff as always. Uh, go to iTunes, leave five star reviews. That's always super helpful. Boost the podcast up, gives more people to to listen to it, and gets it at the top of some of the the lists and whatnot. So when people are looking for new podcasts, mine might be part of that. So that's uh, that's a big one. And then if you could follow me on Instagram, that's at Average Joe's Beer Podcast, and then Joe Bob Four One on Twitter and Untapped J O E B O B Four One. And then uh, the Facebook, you can just type in Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast, and then you can follow the page on Facebook. Send me stuff. Send me emails. Let me know what you're drinking, any questions you have, any kind of interaction. I'll uh, I'll definitely hit you back and let you know. Um, and then the other big stuff is just kind of spread the word, word of mouth. I mean, that's how this podcast has grown. And this episode is just top-notch. It's got to be you know, one of the one of the top ones I've ever done. It's Cruz Blanca, Todd White, and and Jake Sombrano over there at, at Cruz Blanca out on Randolph. What an awesome place! We got oh, I think maybe a mere three hour three hour conversation or so in on a on a Monday while they're closed, nice and early in the morning. And the beer there was just outstanding, but the conversation like exceeded anything I could have asked for. I mean, these guys are great storytellers. They've done some things. They've been through some things. It's really, really, really awesome to listen to these guys talk about their craft and about beer and about the the industry and just the people that they surround themselves with. Uh, not to mention some killer stories from uh, Jake about his uh, Thanksgiving feast and and Todd's uh, upbringing. Uh, you'll f- you'll figure out where that's from as soon as you hear his voice. So, uh, yeah, here you go, Cruz Blanca, Todd White, and Jake Sembrano. <laughs> All right, we're actually going to do it this time. We have a locked door. It's Monday. What is it, like 11.30 right now? Yeah. We're in, we're in Chicago, joined by the two uh, gentlemen that make Cruz Blanca go. So introduce yourselves, fellas. Hi, I'm uh, Jacob Sombrano, head brewer over here at Cruz. And, uh, yeah. and I am Todd White, assistant brewer here at Cruz. Todd White, you look like the brewer right now. You got the fucking overalls on. You got the coveralls, Carhartt. Yeah. You got the rubber boots on. It's just my go-to fashion go-to. statement. Well, you, you, were, know? you were you were fixing a goddamn glass rinser when I walked in. What can I say? Plumbing is life. <laughs> it's yeah. That Fuck stuff makes me wine. happy. Barley wine is not shit anymore. <laughs> it's, it's it's beer plumbing. That's for you now. Beer plumbing is life. Yeah. So you you got, you got it going though, right? You fixed it. Yeah, I got uh, two new glass rinses installed today. So. You know, today's a good day. Today's a good day. Yeah, I'm really happy to get out here finally. I know we've gone back and forth here and there trying to get this thing going. And I know I pigeonholed you guys into like a Monday at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock here. No, but we is, are going to enjoy this Monday. this IPA. That's what we're going to do. We're going to start off the day with a little juice in cans, in 16-ounce cans, which is awesome. I mean, I've usually seen you guys in 12-ounce pa- package out in the, the market, yep. right? Okay. So tell me about some, uh, wa- what is it, Wagga Wagga, right? Wagga Wagga. You want you want me to do it? No, I mean I'll start. You start. Yeah. You go first. <laughs> <coughs> um, well, we don't do a ton of IPAs here. That's not our main focus. Uh, but we do have kind of a ro- I guess looking at the draft list right now, we still do have one, two, three, four, five IPAs. How four d- IPAs. How dare you? <laughs> uh, sometimes five, uh, but. They're all vastly different from each other. We have uh, kind of a traditional IPA, uh, kind of a lighter-bodied, semi-hazy pale ale. Um, 
a kind of a little more traditional double IPA. We'll generally do a hazy double, and then we kind of just have a couple of rotating IPAs in and out that are hazy, but are kind of a little bit more according to our tastes because uh, we still like them to finish really dry. Um, so Wagga Wagga is a beer that we've been brewing on and off for about a year and a half. And we have a malt bill that works pretty well for us and uh, kind of just let Todd take control over the dry hop combos or the hopping combos on Wagga Wagga. It's changed a little bit every year or every time, not every year, every time we brew it. This time was a little more challenging because uh, we just didn't have the hops that we normally use in it. So, But it's still pretty true to, to the original batch. Um, but yeah, this is kind of like Todd's beer. I just kind of said, all right, <laughs> you, you, you have at it. <laughs> fly, fly. So yeah, with the, with, I always hear that too, like with the hop combos and stuff and you, you hear people, brewers talk about like, uh, you know, what do we have? You know, where, what are we getting? Like, so do you, uh, with cruiser, you guys, do you have contracts? Are you doing like spot buys for everything? Uh, this is a conversation that I've enjoyed most, like over the last six to eight months talking to people. It's something that. I used to never think about, and then the more you let brewers talk to each other, you're in a room with multiple, and you hear them talking about how they're buying and where they're buying. Like it's it's super fascinating to me. Uh, yeah, we have a a conjunction of spot buys, a conjunct um, a couple of different contracts. Uh, sometimes we get some cool stuff. Sometimes we just got to use what we have. Uh, it's not, I don't know, and since we're not heavily focused on uh you know a r- like heavily rotating ipas like hot butcher or something like i don't we don't put a ton of we don't put as much effort as other brewers and uh, do put into their hop combos i mean we still use a lot of the common uh everyday kind of hops mosaic simcoe citra um you know we don't use a lot of you know centennial or cascade uh, we'll use, um, you know, Equinon a lot, Waka too. Uh, we still haven't, you know, we have a lot of Vic Secret and Sobro contracted for next year, but that was, that's not something that we've actually even used yet. Uh, oh shit. Inter- yeah. Interestingly yeah. enough. Secret has that nice uh, uniqueness yeah. to it. That's so like when you, you, you kind of, uh, mentioned, uh, we don't get, a, don't use so many like exciting hops. Like what's exciting hops for you guys? Cause I think that opinion varies, you know, like guys, like you mentioned hot butcher, like Jude specifically yeah. is like so passionate about the hop itself and the harvest of it. And, and you know, where it's at, where, what season, what, what year it is, you know, wh- whatever it is, there's so many things. He loves to talk about the acid and the profiles and all that stuff yeah. of the hop. So for you guys, what excites you for like your styles and what your preferences? Well, Again, he's like I'm more of a malt guy, actually. Well, no, not even that. <laughs> into, the, into yeast, not even that. I'm, I'm more of just a procedural kind of person. And again, IPAs aren't kind of they're not our n- number one. What we do, you know, we, we're not an IPA brewery, and a lot of breweries are. Um, so I think more procedurally and um, making something that's just something that we want to drink i mean we use a lot of cryo too um so it's always just kind of trying to make the best beer that we can via what we have available versus seeking a lot of these more unique hops again that's not a huge um that's a passion for some people 
that's not my number one driving that's not the driving force behind creation uh at least for me i mean because you can make really great ipas without having to seek really uh, really obscure things and you can make really great ipas doing that so um that's just not something that i have like a, a huge desire for um but i can still make we can still make good ipas and good paylels with what we have available yeah, is that is that some are there days where you like you have a recipe written you're you're, you're gonna brew an IPA that day hazy you know West Coast whatever you want to do are you kind of like what's what's in the fridge like what do we got we yeah Zaka's yeah, back there I'm gonna use that you know yeah yeah and and you know we're a little over contracted on a bunch of things uh, just like everybody else is on this brewing planet. Um, so sometimes we can just say screw it like let's just use a really heavy hand of some of the stuff that we have and um i don't know i right now i'm kind of in this world right now where i want to practice a little more restraint and that's not something that's very typical for me uh and i think it's just as i mature into this world of brewing i i kind of want to start leaning back a little bit and start making a little bit more finesseful beers i've never had a problem making really powerful things and now i'm kind of looking back at it and saying you know what let's just bring it back a little bit like you can still make beers with a lot of identity but still make them like really much more finesseful and i think that's uh i think that's where it's heading a little more artful instead of like 10 pounds per barrel uh dry hops yeah (laughs) some of those and beers like that can be excellent as well but yeah but um, they're not as like you said finesse and artful yeah practicing restraint has been something that's it's kind of been a well it's been a a mental practice over the course of the last year personally and brewing wise it's just you know not everything has to be so intense (laughs) (laughs) there's the passion so so goddamn intense restrain the intensity well yeah you know just sipping this beer while we're talking uh, and you guys had mentioned that and you mentioned specifically the, your affinity to like the dryness of mm-hmm. it. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's something that you're not always seeing. Usually it's like this coating mm-hmm. stick with you, you know, almost, uh, what would you say? Like, like it, 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 it's hard, a little harder to go back to the glass over and over again. Whereas this I, dries, I can drink a couple of these, right? It dries at the back yeah. end and you can, you want to keep going. No. Exactly. There's a little bit more drinkability to it when there's, you know, uh, a, a nice platform of dryness and a beer like this. I, I personally, this is my kind of beer that I like drinking at home for that reason. I can have a few of them and it's not incredibly fatiguing. Uh, so I guess that kind of re- applies to a lot of our IPAs. Uh, uh, you know, there's definitely some very powerful stuff there with uh, like our Celebration Double and Freetown, one of our other, you know, up there IPAs. But uh, this has definitely got uh, a nice dry backbone to it. It's yeah, it's good. It really does. It's, yeah. it's still six and a half percent, so I wouldn't go as far as to say it's like a, a sessionable yeah. beer. Uh, but you can definitely throw down a few. Maybe not for you, man. Well, <laughs> yeah, horses for courses, you know. So how long have you guys been kind of two man in this thing here? Since day one. Since day one. Yeah. yeah. Jacob's been here a little bit longer. I uh, so a little, I guess, a bit of background. I was uh started back at Goose Island Clybourne in 2010 um, as uh, kind of an apprentice and as an assistant and had zero brewing experience, had z- zero 
beer experience. To be completely honest with you, um, I wasn't really even into craft beer that much. Um, and uh, I was working in a restaurant as a, as a line cook, uh, freshly moving from Austin, Texas. Um, we had come in uh, as, as when I was at that restaurant, we came in a goose um, uh, to brew a collaboration and uh, like a restaurant, a chef collaboration. It was when Jared Rubin was still at Goose. And I was just really kind of enamored by the process and just really, really enjoyed it. So I started volunteering there um, on my days off and then a part-time position became available. So I just kind of jumped on it and I was scrubbing floors and, you know, mashing out and all of this, you know, organizing keg coolers, all that kind of crap. and then took my work home with me and did a lot of research and studying and um, just really embraced it and fell into it. And by the time I left Goose, almost five years later, uh, I was the head brewer there. And um, I started this cruise project uh, about, we had just broken ground and it was about 10 or 11 months before we opened. So I've been with, I mean, I've been with this thing f- since almost day one, pre concept but with the but part of it as as a as the build out um when we opened up todd and i were already um good friends at the time um he was uh working in restaurants as a bartender bar manager kind of thing so we brought him on as a bar manager and um i could see the fatigue and frustration in his eyes uh so i was like let me let me bring you in one day a week and then let me bring you in two days a week and then let me bring you in three days a week and then finally we had to have a sit down with all the other uh managers here and like i need todd full time and they're like well that sucks because uh, we <laughs> want him uh, up front. I was like, you know what? It's really nice to have people fight over that's, you. That's pretty yeah. dope. I yeah. had the upper hand because for the first six months or eight months, um, I was basically doing all the brewing solo, all the finances, all the all the everything. And, uh, yeah, because of me just running a solo a solo operation, I had the benefit of having the pity card of getting Todd on, <laughs> on my side. And I was like, you guys have, you can just hire another manager. You can't exactly just, you know, find brewers. It's a little more challenging. Um, uh, so, and then I was like, plus Todd loves this. He doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be behind the bar anymore. Uh, so yeah. So then he's yeah. been in the brewery, you know, I guess eight months after we opened kind of a thing. Yeah, so it's ne- nearly three years. It was a slow yeah. transition, but at this point in time, yeah, three years. No um, shit. And yeah, two-man so two operation for two the man most operation, part, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I, I'm really lucky. I, I can't believe I spent so much time doing other stuff that wasn't this. So wait, when you, when you essentially poached him or whatever you want to call it, like, so was he working at this place yes, yeah, yeah. No, I, was, yeah, yeah. I was already employed here yeah okay, okay. Uh, so my background <laughs> I was going to college in Australia and uh, 
Oh, is I, that with that accent? That, yeah, it's just <laughs> we haven't you know, addressed that at it's all. A, we're just like, yeah. we're just like everybody Slide talks that like under this the radio. Uh, yeah, I'm from the deep south. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the deepest of souths. That's his Latino accent that you're catching there, <laughs> Key West, uh, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you subscribe to <laughs> a flat Earth theory, <laughs> then apparently I'm from Argentina. That's so the same. It's the same yeah, thing. It's same seas. Uh, so yeah, I started my, I guess my beer career in Australia. I uh, always bartended. You can drinking bartend when you're 18 in Australia so straight out of high school uh, I'd always had a bar job just that was that was always my pocket money and then uh, it kind of it's I guess it's turned into an all-consuming thing that has led me to moving to the other side of the world and getting married (laughs) and having a career change and everything else so my wife is from Chicago I employed her at a bar in Australia and uh, I guess the very succinct version of the story is uh, she came backwards and forwards and ran out of visas. Okay. And yeah. uh, she was working at a brewery that was literally down the street from my house that I was spending way too much time and money at, uh, even though I was managing a different pub. Uh, I got really, really interested in it, and she started getting some American beers shipped to Wagga Wagga. And that's kind of where I really started to fall in love with it a little bit. I, I'd homebrewed a little bit, but it was more about, uh, I guess, economy than it was about actually trying to produce something very interesting. Uh, so I had a tiny background in beer, uh, but I'd spent majority of my career up until then pouring it for somebody else. Uh, so you kind of just mishmash all these things together and then you end up in Chicago and... <laughs> My wife still works for Goose Island since we've been in Chicago. She's been working for Goose. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of just become an all-consuming thing for both of us. Uh. So you can see the connection. Like I used to work at uh, Goose yeah, uh, with uh-huh. Kate. Mm-hmm. You know, Love story is old as time. Yeah, yeah. there's, a, there's a, a, a bond and a friendship that was kind of uh, created at that time that just kind of hasn't really gone away. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, I've hmm. seen so many romantic comedies <laughs> with the exact same plot line. I mean, well, we're stuck together now. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Chicago. Runs out of visas. Falls in love with yeah, the bartender from a different uh, bar. That's pretty much how it worked it's out. Like, I think You've Got Mail was the same plot line. I think that was the same. <laughs> yeah, <line>. well, <laughs> Australia's still got the same internet service as they did back then. So, anyway. <laughs> At least it's beautiful there, right? I mean, well, compared to what you're I think it's currently it's on fire. Uh, okay. But well, that's fun. Yeah, it's, you know, that's kind of one of the options you get in Australia is like fire, <laughs> flood or famine. And sometimes it's a mix of a all three. All of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here you just get cold. Yeah, yeah get cold. I can. I've, I've acclimatized. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's taken me a little while. But uh, my first winter, I was adamant that I wasn't going to buy a pair of snow boots. <laughs> and looking back, you know, six years now to think about that, that was probably the dumbest thing I've yeah. ever done. Uh, I, yeah. Two things Chicago's taught me is always buy good socks and always buy a good pair of boots and life's pretty peachy after that. It's funny. I'm already regretting the socks I wore today. They're just, the <laughs> air is just cutting through the, sho- the shoes today. It's brutal. It hasn't been fun. No, just the train ride. It was like cold in there. It was terrible. Anyways, enough about me. So you, you <laughs> mentioned, you mentioned uh, when you were in your, in your uh, you know, the plot line that you gave us for the movie that you're writing that uh, uh, Wagga Wagga came up, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, so that totally tied into what the can the can that's in front of us right yeah now. so i'd been talking about being back in australia and talking about wagga wagga and some of my experiences there and how that's been like a culminative thing for my beer career and uh our 
uh, our owner Manny uh, Valdez kind of perked up and he's like what wagga wagga what wagga what he's like what what the hell are you talking about and I was like wagga wagga man he's like I, I like I have no idea what you just said to me I was like oh, dude it's where I'm fr- like where I was from like Obviously. this is he's like that's ridiculous and there's there's a very old Australian saying that will make zero sense to any listeners right now but it is you can call wagga 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 but you can't call woi 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 uh yeah don't think too hard Dude, about there's it there's gonna be one guy that listens to this and he's like that i fucking knew that already yeah i know exactly what he's talking yeah, about like, me uh, and that guy get it so like we kind of had this discussion and then that's kind of where the idea of calling a beer wagga wagga all came from uh so this is kind of my throwback beard to my genesis story i guess and then <laughs> you know we we did one for manny as well we did a hibiscus uh sort of beer that was uh, called Floridita because he's originally from Cuba and Floridita's uh, Hemingway's bar in Cuba that he was not too far from when he was growing up so yeah it's been a fun little beer to uh, to whip out and it's amazing every time we drop it on social every Australian (laughs) in Chicago (laughs) sends me a message being like what the hell is this good on you mate yeah pretty much (laughs) Uh, actually that's kind of what happened on on uh, Wednesday I was taking Thursday off for work for Thanksgiving but the next thing you know, I end up sinking eight beers here with a guy from Wagga Wagga and becoming best oh friends man. and hanging out. So, yeah, it's been a fun little project uh-huh. from inception to actually the technical side of making it to being able to share it with people has been super fun. Pretty cool. So you mentioned before we started rolling what what because the, there's like a what looks like a crow or, you know, on the side of it. You mentioned something about like. Yeah. A so uh, in the. Aboriginal language as far as I I am obviously not a uh, uh, a history major or anything like that but as far as I know Wagga Wagga is uh, the place of many crows in the local Aboriginal language Uh, so that's kind of become like a really big theme for this beer so it's ended up with a little murder of crows all over the label and uh, there's a teeny little crow guy sitting next to the Wagga Wagga uh, type on, on the front of the can so it's become a bit of a motif for us, all for me, uh, in 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 general. Uh, my wife and I talk about Wagga Wagga constantly, obviously, after she spent many years there. Uh, so yeah, it was just a nice way to like bring something home. I don't have a beer. That's you don't me. have a beer. Super I don't have a Texas super beer. Unfortunate that you don't have an Austin, Texas, an Austin, beer. Texas beer yet. Well, there you we go. But I do have almost. I had. I do create the recipes and mostly everything else so there is that you just bring <laughs> in you just bring in yeah. live oak <laughs> you just bring in live oak hefeweizen you're like this is my austin that beer. would be this excellent i like got <laughs> like live oak um austin's a lovely place place i've actually been to a few times yeah i'm heading back Wagga there Wagga? On, no, uh, friday I've been there <laughs> I, I you could skip it yeah yeah really okay is it on fire right now currently no thankfully it's not okay. on fire but it, it's Good. just kind of in the middle of nowhere okay. it's yeah <laughs> all right so, uh, Jacob, something I want to round back with you to, uh, again, like I've had Goose on the podcast, the Fulton guys, like, but I still, and myself, and I think I'm speaking for pe- anybody who bothers to listen to this too, is like, I guess I understand it now, but I think a lot of like beer consumers don't understand like when you're the, when you're the head brewer at like Clybourne, mm-hmm. Clybourne is like its own kind of thing. Yeah. So you're making your beers for Clybourne. You're not producing... 312 and you know all that shit like you're filling up the tap lines at your place with unique beers uh 
probably collaborating with people on recipes, you know, maybe. Yeah. Or do you just kind of get free reign, like, whatever I mean, you want to do, do it, bro? I don't, I can't speak intensely to what the dynamic is right now. Right, right. right. Um, but back before the remodel and the pub purchase, um, so there were beers that you we could consider goose beers, and then there are beers that we could, cons- that just were not. Um, you know, the kind of program that uh, I'm running here uh, probably would not fly at Goose Clybourne at any point in time, history or current. Um, or at least some of these beers, not necessarily, you know, the whole entire thing. Right, right. Um, but, I mean, Goose was a really special place because, you know, at this point in time, it's 30 30 years, maybe 30, 31 yeah, years, 31, yeah, 30 think, plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I was there in 2010, when I first started working, you kind of have to assume that any brewer that steps in and, and works there as an assistant or in a, in a position of leadership, you're a product of, of, you know, 25 plus years of, um, well, at the time it was, you know, 22 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're the you're the product of 20 years worth of brewing of brewers, and and not only that of really excellent brewers. Uh, a lot of these brewers have moved on to do their own thing. A lot of these brewers are head brewers somewhere else, but they're they're lifers, you know. Mm-hmm. And this guy named John Laffler there, I feel like, right? Oh, at some point, that guy. Uh, he that may guy have he may have putzed around at the did, pub from time to time, things. but uh, but he did yeah he definitely did some things at at uh, at uh, Fulton. Right, right, um, right. I guess I'm just looking at Goose as a whole. Like as it, a it whole, has, yeah. It has sprung some really good independent yeah. brewers, you know, across the across this city. But we had a program there where we would, um, you know, come out with a new beer every week. You know, new beer Thursday, and <laughs> creative marketing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> new beer Thursday. But we had a draft list of twenty twenty four draft lines and twenty four twenty five almost twenty eight draft lines. Um. <coughs> so you can fathom that uh most of those beers every Thursday were something new. So with that, you like the amount of hops you've used and and different combinations, the amount of uh styles from best bitters to you know, pale ales, uh milds, dark milds, uh you know, brown porters, English porters, American porters, uh, you know, English, you know, stouts, sweet stouts, American stouts, um, geez, uh, you know, Czech pills, uh, is this, uh, we're just going to see German p- Yeah. 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 Just, I'm going to uh, go through like the BTCP <laughs> guideline, <laughs> I want but, all but uh, to, it's a, in complete you honesty finished yet. Finish. No, um, Actually, that the BJCP uh, style guidelines became my friend because uh, when we had to brew new beer and we're kind of exhausted for ideas, it's like you know what? Oh, we haven't brewed a Dortmunder in in two years, so it's kind of like all right, let's 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 read about stylistically what goes into a Dortmunder and try to recreate that. So um, you can assume that you know most of those beers were new so maybe 35 of the 52 beers that we released a year were new beers and new recipes and things that we hadn't done before so you get a really good understanding for um the anatomy of a recipe and your ingredients most importantly uh so yeah that was like i don't know if that completely answered your question 
because now I don't remember. No, no, no. I mean, it, just, <laughs> it was just kind of like it's just kind of like what what is you know that that uh, pub brewer versus you know a Goose Island like as a whole, you know? Cause when yeah, you see Goose I mean, Island. again, you and at that time, um, I'm really good at kind of reading the vibes of places and what fits uh, in terms of an identity and a, and a beer program and what doesn't. And um, I don't know. Again, you know, we didn't do a lot of heavily fruited beers. We didn't do a lot of over-the-top hoppy beers because that just wasn't necessarily something that fit really well for the pub at the time. You know, we were still brewing a lot of classic styles and interpretations of that. And and then, you know, we'd have a lot of fun, too. Like, we had a great barrel program. It was very small, but it was a good barrel program um, of some pretty experimental things that, you know, people still talk about. Uh and uh, it was, for the time I was there, it was, I think it was one of the more challenging places to be, to drink at in Chicago, because they're just, the landscape was, looked very different than it did today. Um, so I think that the pub, we could just kind of create a lot more, uh, a lot more, we had a lot more leniency to create uh, at Fulton. You know, that from con- from concept to creation, I mean, there's multiple test runs. There's, you know, sometimes they would just have to completely outright dump it because it was fine, but we could do better, you know. So mm-hmm. from from con- concept to, to release, you might be talking about eight to ten months of product development or, and research um, versus at the pub. It's like, all right, order the malt and we'll brew it next <laughs> week. Let's go. Uh, and somebody's going to drink it because that's because we only have ten barrels of it. So uh, yeah, that, that was a that was a really wonderful uh, learning experience. So yeah, the, the, to tie in with that and like kind of roll it into the current. Um, first of all, there's there's a whole th- a bunch of stuff I'm trying to roll into one thing right now because I'm fascinated by like the two person dynamic here. Uh, you know, from mm-hmm. basically inception, uh, how you handle the brew the brewing and, and everything day to day. Uh, rolling that into what you mentioned a little bit, uh, talking about your time in, in 2010 was kind of uh, reading, reading the place and reading that kind of like the consumption and stuff. So, so even like current day, uh, with all the changes that have happened since the, those days to now, what the Chicago craft beer scene is, for for you guys, like how do you gauge, you know, and rolling together? Like, what do I like? What are we passionate about brewing? What do we want to brew with? what's everybody want to consume in our tap room and like do you, will you guys sit at the bar and kind of talk to people and just kind of pick their Constantly. brains sure. That's you pick your bartender's brains we, 100 percent. We, we hang out here way too much <laughs> uh which I, honestly that's the coolest shit for yeah, me because i'm a beer nerd and i that's, love that's I my love favorite that. thing too like the the whole benefit of doing this for me is like a big broad idea is the fact you got this ability to be able to create something and then share it with someone and get like straight first-hand feedback from it. Mm. Uh, I, I guess when it comes to why we make what we make, uh, man, that's that's a really hard question. I, I guess it starts with, like, depth in the menu. We, I, I personally want to see, when I come into a pub, depth in a menu. I want to see if you can make a few lagers. I want to see if you can make a traditional IPA or a hazy. I don't really care. Uh, some barrel-aged stuff. Maybe there's some wild culture beers, you know show me a few bottles like i want to see a little bit of everything and that's strictly from a a a brewer's perspective i'm just interested in technique as like a as a really big idea 
So I like to see other people flexing their technique muscles when it comes to like their menu. So I think uh, our menu kind of reflects that a little bit. We're like looking at it right now, you know. Oh, you mean your 12 IPA menu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like sweet. Get it together. Hops, like cool. (laughs) Uh, Like even now our menu, uh, it's, you know, a little bit different. This was uh, our holiday menu we had for Thanksgiving, but there's some barrel-aged beers on there. There's uh, uh, a mixed culture, coffee and fruit, uh, wild, uh, like, Ale, there's uh, wait, an oak age. Wait, 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 what did you, what did you say? Uh, the marigold. Culture. So it's it's all stainless, but it's ale, you know, grapes Brett grapes, blueberries, two different kinds so of grapes. I'm interested right now. What's uh, happening there? The Vitamiga uh, is is one of my favorites. It's our oak punchin oak uh, oak age saison uh, done in punchins uh, with Turkish black limes. Uh, and then, then there's Mexico Calling. That's that's straight up lawnmower beer. It's the OG right yeah, there. Yeah, oh, okay. real straightforward crispy boy yeah i guess uh, looking at the menu from boy. top down is like all right classic kind of you know i have a lot of weird feelings about the term mexican lager because <laughs> mexican <laughs> because lager what is it really because right, what is it really, really that much mexican lager that got made in yeah, mexico uh, yeah, but there's I'm no like difference, right? Like there's no like oh, we use corn, so that makes like no. maize makes it a Mexican. Like what? No, like and then and then adding lime to your Mexican lager made in America doesn't make it a Mexican lager. Uh, take you know, that back. <laughs> take that back right now. Well, you can add it what after, about adding but adding Valentina, Tahine. Yeah. Oh yeah, Tahine rim is. Come on, mm. baby. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I love I love those things added after you brew the beer, uh, but not during the beer. Uh, but you know, Mexico calling is just a straight up, like it's loosely based off of a Hellas recipe that finishes a little bit drier. Um, and that's, I mean, it, and it doesn't have corn in it and Mexican lagers don't have to have corn in it. I mean, it's just a blogger made in Mexico that, that Austrians were and Germans were brewing. Like I don't, I don't see the confusion there for having Silly. to add it's a like bunch of chilies. Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, like if you're making a Mexican-inspired stout, doesn't mean you have to put chilies in it, right? Like, no, you have to put Mexican chocolate or Mexican coffee in it. <laughs> That's it. They're your only you're options. Follow, you're not following any of the rules, Todd. Uh, I feel like. You know, so we have this Mexican lager. We've got classic saison. That's, um, you know, a breaded classic saison that was like you know a two or three month stainless ferment. Uh, a hazy pale, a traditional IPA, another a, a really hazy IPA, a double IPA with mango, or no, excuse me, a double IPA with guava and tamarind, a nitro porter with coconut and uh, chocolate. Yeah, this uh, a oak aged punch and saison with black lime, stainless mixed culture, strong ale with grapes and coffee, a coffee blonde, a basil hayden stout, and a cinnamon. And Easily pecan, coconut, so intro s- stout. So yeah, that's a that's true. a really out there list with a lot of ingredients. Is that menu? Is that menu a culmination of the two of you? I mean, is that yeah, like, Is that like the, the what you would get if we melted you guys down? Like that'd be the list we'd get. That's yeah. That's actually really yeah. I think I like so. That. We 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 get a lot of creative reign on on. Um, on the way we want our menu to look, mm-hmm. but that also comes with a lot of conversation with. Um, I guess the owner Manny, who's uh, he is the been the partner of uh, Rick Bayless in the in the restaurant group for quite a while or for a very long time. There are partners in the food uh, group as well, but um, the brewery is Manny's child. You know, this is something that he really wanted to see happen, something that he's been wanted to wanted to see happen for a really long time, 
and he is really into beer. And every time he goes traveling, he's constantly bringing Todd and I back beers. And he's like, hey, can you just like stop what you're doing and have this beer with me? <laughs> Which is really great. So we're trying yeah, to knock out right now. <laughs> Best <so>. boss ever. <laughs> but he was just like, I, was, I had this beer. Like, I really liked it. I thought it was really thought-provoking. Like, let's talk about it. So he's equally into beer as, as much as, as Todd and I are. And that's really refreshing because, um, you know, he likes to stay up on... Uh, contemporary trends, but he also really believes that sometimes it's really important to kind of carve your own path through through that. And um, uh, I think that I mean it's a it's a it's a it's a mix of of everything of everybody here that works here. Yeah, know? we're we're really lucky to have a a good strong core team that we work with. So uh, essentially, production and beer comes down to Jacob and myself Jacob leading the charge and me following very detailed instructions uh, and then fixing things like that uh, the glass wrenches today and then there's uh, Manny our owner and founder and then uh, Kathleen Gray our marketing manager we she does so much for us uh, she's operations and marketing uh, and then, then you know Marina does a great job with our social media so there's really only sort of five of us uh, I guess like uh, steering the ship uh, and then we've all got our little roles sort of under that umbrella but uh, it's very much a team mentality yeah so so the restaurant group uh, manages the front of house and back of house staff and uh, and the bartenders and then in the brewery alone I mean it's just Todd and I so we kind of we kind of have two different dynamics operating independently within with uh, within the roof. And I think a, a lot of brew pubs operate that way. It's just kind of like, all right, you've got brewery and you've got front of house. And in the brewery, um, yeah, it's 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 a pretty small pretty small staff. And then we also, you know, we do a lot of production at a Great Central, and that requires all of us to to do a lot of management as well. Like, I mean, we we work really extensively with them, so. That that really consumes a lot of our time as well. So um, yeah, so the five of us kind of we share a lot of roles, but uh, that's what the brewery looks like. <laughs> yeah, right, right. There's a couple of dynamics too. I like to I like to dive into on a couple of things, but but for you guys, um, like we we found the story of, of Jake meets Todd and, and mm. that. So so where where do you come in with? Where does Manny and, and Jake meet, or Manny and Rick and Jake and like you know the whole group? Uh, so so how, how do your paths yeah. cross? Well, um, again, uh, Manny and Rick have been partners for 20 years. Uh, and um, I, I, I'm going to just throw this straight back to Goose again. Um, Goose has been like a really huge part of my life since I've been in Chicago. I mean, it's been, uh, you know, I, when I moved here, I started working for Goose shortly after moving here. And it's kind of like it's such a it's such a fundamental part of my identity here. Um, but uh, when you think about it. Uh, you know, Goose, when I was working there, you know, I can use a, the 25-year marker as an analogy because, you know, it was part of the 25-year anniversary that we had this huge party at Goose. And um, it was something that John Hall created, obviously he created Goose uh, in the 80s. And um, he did something that was very unlike anyone else doing what they were doing at the time. And uh, Rick opening up Frontera downtown was doing something that was completely unlike itself at the time so 
I'm going to just go ahead and say uh, that they've been kind of professional friends for, for, for a really long time. I mean, they have a, they've had a, a really mutual level of respect for each other. And, um, you know, they've even at one point in time did a lot of, they, you know, they designed a beer together. They worked together. So there was always uh, this very close relationship with Frontera and with Goose. Um, and this is the busiest day on record. Yeah. We've been <laughs> we, we've, we've fended off more people at the front door and phone calls since I <laughs> sat down here on a day that you guys are not even open. Just speaks to how good you guys have been. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, 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 no. Todd not. is going to hit that phone up, so... Um, He's just gonna like buried just in a box just or something. <laughs> rip it out of the wall. Um, so they've had this uh, professional uh, friendship with each other for a very long time, only because there were two people trying to do something very different at the time. And um, they even made a beer together. And I was kind of in fall. I was working for Goose at the time when they were making that beer together. Um, so you know, I was kind of always floating in the background. Uh, I don't want to think of this as, um, geez, I don't want to think about this as the reason I'm here, but, uh, this, this is a very important part of the story. Um, when Rick and Manny were wanting to open up crews, they reached out to, uh, people in the community that they really respected. And they're like, who, who should we have our eye on right now? Like, who should we be talking to? And they also reached out to people um, in other cities. And um, a lot of names came up, but they started, uh, my name kept coming up a little bit more frequently. So you're a likable guy. I suppose so. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I can. He does all right. I can be. <laughs> uh, but my name kept coming up. And there was also another reason is that because um, prior to working at Goose, I had a really extensive culinary background. Uh, you know, straight out of high school, I went to culinary school. I worked in... Um, you know, farm to, you know, uh, nose to tail restaurants and highly seasonal restaurants, uh, you know, and, um, you know, did a lot of charcuterie and butchering. I really embraced the food when I was a, a part of it and worked for a lot of restaurants that did the same thing. Um, and when I was in Chicago, I was working at a restaurant that did the same thing. Um, so I had a really firm understanding of food and of seasonality and, of respect and and that followed really intensely with Frontera's uh, kind of with their identity and what they believe really strongly in um, and a lot of people knew that I had that culinary background so they're like you know what you should talk to this guy because not only can he uh, you know is he capable of brewing beer is he uh, he also is gonna fit into your world really well because it's something that he really understands and he's been doing for a long time previously to brewing um, I think that's an important part of the puzzle to mention. I don't want to use that as an excuse as to why I'm here, but it definitely raised some eyebrows. It connected some of the dots. It connected some of the dots for them because they interviewed a lot of people that just didn't have any culinary experience. They never worked at brew pubs. They didn't have, um, they just, it was a foreign world to them. And um, that's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just when you have your, when you're going to be involved in a really big restaurant group, uh, or at least associated with it, you kind of need to know the language and how to talk to everybody around you and in, in, in the back of house. You need to know how to talk to the chefs. You need to know how to like understand their vision um, when they're speaking to you or 
you need to understand their world and how to incorporate that into your beer, whether you're calling it a culinary beer or, or, or something or other. Because a lot of these beers are, are influenced by, by beverage and food. And knowing that language and knowing how to manipulate some of these ingredients and translate them into, into a beer is something that was really valuable. Uh, it's been a valuable experience, and it's been valuable for all parties involved. So um, I think that's where the connection like comes from and how it just kind of really solidifies. Yeah, we briefly talked right before we started recording about, uh, you know, your connection to food and, and, and brewer, a lot of brewers. I mean, not all. I wouldn't say it's like the vast majority, but like that connection seems to be a, a, a beneficial thing. And I, I talked about Trevor from uh, mm-hmm. Old Irving, who's got that culinary background. And what I was always asked him was like, was it hard for you to keep your nose out of that kitchen sometimes? So let's go back there and like see what's happening. Like just be like, hey man, like maybe at, you guys at some should do point this. you've just got to like, you've just got to <laughs> walk past and continue <laughs> doing what you're doing. Uh, like, you I hit the tacos with a little something uh, I different. Have the you know? same but different problems when I'm at work. Like this isn't my job anymore. I've got to go back and <laughs> go to the brewery. And Got to make sure. For you, you're like, I want to work the front of the house for a minute. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no. And I'm also yeah. easily distracted. So yeah. it's it's a 50 50. Everybody, okay. everybody here, with that. The, sh- the chefs here know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. It's heard. It, it's heard. It's fun when we can talk, when we can talk about it uh, in, a, in, a, in a space that's, that we, well, it's fun when we can talk about it because uh, I know their world just as much as I know my world, but they don't necessarily know the beer world very well. Uh, so I think that I can kind of simplify it for them a little bit and I can help navigate them through, uh, certain flavors and, and the things that we do. Um, cause, cause if it wasn't me doing it, nobody here would. <laughs> and, 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 and we don't like work together that much. Like we don't, we're not doing beer. D- well, I mean, we occasionally do beer dinners, um, but like, I'm not going to the chefs and being like, Hey, what should we brew? But sometimes I'm kind of like, Oh, you know, like here, try this. And they're like, Oh, this actually does remind me of black lime or this does actually remind me of something or something or something. And I'm like, you're right. Thanks for that. Like I just needed that little push in that right direction to just kind of help pull, pull something together. Well, a that's, little tighter. that's actually a good segue to, uh, what we're drinking and why we ended up making it, I guess. Uh, You're a real professional, Todd. You know that? <laughs> it's not my first rodeo, I'm I guess. Impressed. I'm yeah. impressed already. Uh, we, we can hang out. So yes. we're drinking Vitamiga. Our, was it 16 months? 16 months? Yeah, I almost yes. lost my shit in the middle of Jake's story when I started <laughs> yeah. drinking it. I was like, all right, I gotta, I'll wait. We'll get to it. We'll get hey, to it. We'll get to it. 16-month-old uh, punch and saison finished with uh, dried black limes or Turkish limes, however you want to talk about it. So, you know, we, we do our wilds upstairs. Yeah, we've got a very small wild room. Uh, we've got uh, a wall of punchins that we're doing a, roughly a Solera program through and uh, oh, 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 oh. What do you mean, roughly a Solera? Well, <laughs> we're putting beer here and we're taking it out. And so I guess technically we are doing it. We're not emptying it completely. Correct. We're putting yeah. beer on top. Exactly. Okay. So, so we've we're we're got to keep the walls turning. I guess legit. we are doing a Solera right. program if you think about it like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I just, I'm pretty low key. Uh, anyway, so we'd made this beer and one of our uh, sous chefs here, uh, he is an avid home brewer. And in his own right, does a lot of amazing work. Shout out to Thomas Kavanagh. 
So uh, eventually I can project that he will own a brewery at some point in the next 10, five years. So Fingers crossed because I'm probably going to be working for him. He's a great <laughs> guy. Uh, so anyway, Thomas had got these black limes in and uh, they were using them for a dish next door. And I just thought it was really cool and got some more and showed Jacob and... We kind of played with the, uh, the the limes and sort of thought it'd be a great mix for this beer. It's it's got uh, a heavy heavy lime acid to it, but it's kind of got this like green coriander nose, or maybe even a bit of Chinese five spice. Like it's got a very floral nose to it, and the, and then that's kind of why we ended up using it because you know having a talk to Thomas and he showed me something really cool and being able to have those. Uh, uh, resources resource not only the resources but having people who are as interested in what you're doing outside of the brewery uh, and having them come in just to check in and you know and, and likewise it works for Thomas like uh, every time I see Thomas he's doing something thoroughly interesting uh, so being able to bounce ideas off people who are half step outside of the brewery and then come to a final product like this is super great yeah, like the black lime. Like it would break down the the Turkish uh, black lime. <sighs> I don't know what it's doing, but it's doing something right. Cause yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild stuff. It for the for people who've never seen a black lime, uh, it kind of looks like a lime that got dropped and rolled to the back of the refrigerator. Uh, okay. It is small and dark, and completely skin is completely dry, and you kind of have to pop it like a ping pong ball. Like if you squeezed a ping pong ball. And then the flesh on the inside is nearly like fruit jerky. It's very leathery and has a really intense flavor and aroma to it. Uh, so this, this has worked next door as a, as a garnish for a couple of dishes, really highlighting that like big bright acid that it has. Uh, so it was like a no-brainer just to put it into this saison. The acidity worked really well with the base beer and just that massive floral punch is, is amazing. Yeah, we had worked on some preliminary blends of the saison coming out of the punchins and um, just kind of sitting here thinking we can serve it independently or, uh, oh, you know what? What about those black limes that we just tried two or three days ago? Yeah, that would probably work really well. And um, yeah, so then it's just kind of stacking ideas on top of each other and then using you know familiar practices and techniques and then incorporating it and then just kind of going from there the execution yeah is, the execution is gorgeous i mean it, what, what what came out on the other end is it, like how long have you guys been had this beer packaged and selling it so this is a 2019 release okay uh, so this is a, a fairly newer beer this one completely flew under the radar we didn't really promote it heavily um but because we just we've had so many other things to talk about uh that uh, sometimes we get projects here that just kind of, just kind of, get lost in the mix. But I think we blended this back in August, August or something, yeah. and then and then uh, yeah, it's been bottle conditioning since. Um, all of our wilds will always bottle condition, um, just to try to keep it a, a little bit more true, true, not necessarily true to style, but just true to intention. I mean, they're all brewed using. Malt coming out of Indiana, our, our maltster Caleb at Sugar Creek is, um, it's all, it, all of these wilds are his stuff, you know, because, so in, in concept and in principle, outside of the use of uh, black limes that come from very far, far, far away, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we try to at least maintain some of that 
locality with uh, with our wild program, which right now is kind of in disarray, and we're 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 gonna we're gonna start replenishing it pretty soon here. But um, yeah, we we know we'll 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 try to focus really heavily on on Midwest ingredients and Midwest malt, uh, primarily just for the for these beers. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to to uh, Ryan and Craig at ABV because I listened to that episode back in I think January or February of this year, and uh, you guys on it, and I remember the stories about Caleb and, and Sugar Creek and, and the corn. Didn't he mill a bunch of corn or something that oh, you yeah. guys were using? He malted corn malted for corn. us, okay, because uh, yeah. he's a badass. Yeah. Uh, so Caleb's Caleb's low key my beer hero. Okay. Uh, he is a great home brewer, but he's integrity for product is is just second to none uh he took over a portion of the family farm and started growing brewer's barley again and that's not a very common crop around the midwest so what is brewer's barley well just like just barley in general well barley th- bar- yeah <laughs> barley like that's intended to be turned into a, to malt specifically for brewing yeah it modifies protein content exactly. different modifies better like uh, it's just it's barley grown for the purpose of for modifying and, and brewing with. Uh, so he, you know, he's he's been doing everything by himself. It's it's just a great story to see this sort of industry coming back to the Midwest after such he's a. He's got a gap. couple of like sixteen-year-old mullet kids that help him uh, in yeah, a look, malt house, but which like I am <laughs> those those guys have got some pretty sweet mullets. As <laughs> Hell a, yeah! As a current mullet wearer <laughs> myself, I I think those guys are doing a great job. Uh, yeah, his his. I mean, he lives in the middle of nowhere in Indiana, in a city called Lebanon. Yeah. Um, you can only imagine that you're not going to get a bunch of like young aspiring brewers to want to come and learn how to malt in the middle of Indiana. It's very challenging for him. So he's got a lot of uh, really young, young, uh, young kids uh, with real strong backs working for him <laughs> i hope so and real strong back's gonna be necessity for that he's, he's got like a 1400 style Nor- norwegian malt house doing classic 1400 style malt uh everything's dried over a wood fire uh he's a badass home brewer in his own right using hot rocks and really traditional raw methods as well what? he's yeah, look, what? the guy's the guy's super cool. Look, Jesus I'll leave Christ. all of so that. You're saying for I should leave here and go to get him on the podcast. That was the guy. That's I probably talk to. way more interesting be, uh, than us. Yeah, <laughs> he's about two and a half hours You guys are doing pretty away. well about an hour in. So he's a, he's about two and a half hours away, but uh, he would be a real fascinating person to talk yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, but and to be co- completely honest, uh, he's inspired a lot of our projects. He's inspired a lot of our projects. So again, that's that's part of like you know having that really close relationship with someone who's who we depend on for yeah. for for a beer program like this yeah. and you know how can uh you know obviously he does the best he can uh with his product and then it's kind of like how can we do something that showcases and gives full respect to it um right that appreciation snowballs saw yeah. on all levels where it's oh, like, oh we're not going to misrepresent this Very fucking guy's so. hard work you know like, man, we in just some mediocre beer we're gonna, I, you know. I don't want to have to look him in the eye and apologize right. you know like dude I'm, I'm sorry. so sorry I, I tried thought, so hard <laughs> I thought the beef jerky lager would work and it just, <laughs> <laughs> just didn't Jacob yeah, brought that one down <laughs> <laughs> just stealing <laughs> ideas that's unfair no so the, no the the, uh, the malt stuff like that 
it's it's fascinating to hear like the appreciation that that the brewers have for how it's done. I mean, because you look at most guys you run into that are brewing beer, they probably have a BSG hat on or a Brees hat or something. You know, it's like hey, this is where I get my malt. You know, yeah. malt's it just something that turns up on a truck. So I guess when you asked me earlier, you know, what's the you know how I felt about hops? I, I don't I don't have this. I don't have as strong as a desire. Uh, to to you know as hops as like say Jude at Hop Butcher does, which is completely excites me when I hear him listening to talk about it's a hops. Straight boner the whole time while mm-hmm. he's talking yep. about us. His great. intensity and his his desire, yeah, absolutely, is really is really attractive and intriguing to me. What what my what my desire is is to is to is. I guess just to kind of respect a lot of these things that we do and expect, uh, respect uh, the technique and the process and then just try to build like unique connections with everything. Um, again, you know, Caleb uh, is, has been a really big, uh, a really big motivator of a lot of the beers that we've done. I like doing a lot of beers that really showcase, uh, you know, the bounty of Midwest. I'm really heavily influenced by um, by Midwest fruits, um, you know, which we can talk about in a hot sec, you know, the, <laughs> what we just went through. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm procedural driven and, and, um, and I'm also ingredient driven more so than saying just really diving headfirst into the world of hops, because, um, while that intrigues me, uh, I think that I can still make an acceptable beer <laughs> an acceptable IPA. I, I just I'm a little bit more fascinated with uh, maybe at least trying to tell a bit of a story with a particular beer and uh, the ingredients and obviously you know like is there integrity and intent in that product and can I actually build a strong relationship with that with somebody like Caleb who's done a lot of work for us or um, you know um, uh, Pete out of seed uh, out of seedling in Michigan who grows a lot of fruit for us. Uh, oh. so, um, that's what, that's, that's what I really, really, really appreciate. Our beer is, our beer list isn't always as representative of that because we try to, we're, we do want a really widespread of things, but I think there's a bit of storytelling and the relation in the relationships that we can build with, with people that, uh, that we're using their ingredients to put in our beer. I think that's what really fascinates me as much as Jude is fascinated with hops, you know? You know, we we work with Sparrow really intensely um, with a lot of our coffee projects, mm. and that fascinates me because it's how do you manipulate your coffee? Like, what kind of, you know, all of that. And then I can learn so much with what they do, and, and all I want to do is give respect to their product because, again, I don't want to have to apologize to them because mm. it didn't. <laughs> coffee <laughs> or, or is, coffee's hot and sexy nowadays. Yeah. And that's, that's like, it's so... It's like beer. It's yeah. like a younger beer right now. It feels like the way it's kind of building that momentum. And so yeah, you get the point. I, I I mean, arguably, I think people consume more coffee than they do beer. For on the sure, no, I, I, agree. <laughs> I agree. With, I agree with that. But it's just something that you're seeing pop up more. And I'm and, and again, people care I live about in a, it. More. I live in a bubble yeah. of beer. You know, I work mm. in beer now. I do a podcast in beer. It's like I love beer personally. So it's like. I talk to everybody that I talk to has some sort of fascination or obsession with coffee and maybe they're roasting their own now too on the side, like something that they, like a home brewer or a brewer might do like a home, home, uh, kind of hobby for him. Because, like, because in the, again, we're just turning people away. Yeah. We're <laughs> just turning people. Sorry, 
We're going to have to call somebody. Yeah. Like We're going to have to be open on Mondays <laughs> now, guys. Yeah, I'm just going to have to put a sign on the door that says, it's Monday. I no, I put an Instagram post up and said, like, come uh, into Cruz Blanco and okay. hang out with me, dude. <laughs> My fucking podcast is blowing up. I, I, I kind of feel like this is that like ESPN studio on Grand Ore. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, no, people just walking Lake. Past. Yeah, yeah, State and Lake. Yeah. Like, hey. Oh, yeah. I listen to that guy. I'm like staring at him like, hey, look at you. <laughs> look at you. You'll never get this. Uh-huh, yeah. um, I, I think that there, I think the fascination with coffee with brewers and coffee right now is that there's uh from a personality standpoint i've met a lot of roasters that are like brewers <laughs> they might not look like brewers but you know they just they kinda, talk like brewers they talk like brewers they're awkward like brewers <laughs> a ph uh, level talk yeah, oh, yeah. And, and i just regurgitate <laughs> things i hear i don't really know but know. you're not wrong that is that is perfect and procedural uh the process is is like there's a lot mm. of things in common that we can talk about and I think that it's easy to bridge that gap. And, you know, even our language can overlap a little bit. Our equipment overlaps a little bit. Um, we both like gadgets and toys. Uh, so there's there's a really strong connection that you can make with 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 coffee and beer uh, just in the in the in the not on the consumer end, but on the on the on the production end, and on the um, yeah, on the roasting and brewing end of things for sure. It's like any conversation in the world now, like you know, it just in, in general, not in beer, but just in the world. Like when you say positive things about one thing, if people get that impression that you're demeaning the other, you know, we talk about like you don't love the hop, you know, hop head, like mm. talk about hops, but it's like the malt doesn't get a lot of love. You know, I've had I've episodes with Omega and Lance, and like mm. they're fucking great. Like it's so cool to see like yeast get the proper respect that it deserves. I've had conversations with people about water and treating it, you know. And city water and RO and suburbs, things like that, you know? Uh, so it's, it's a malt is one of those things that doesn't get a lot of appreciation mm. when, you, when you have these conversations. So it's I cool to get Caleb's a little, little mm. love. And, and I'm, I'm really lucky just that that's a part of what I do here. This, this was a relationship that was built, uh, before I was actually working in the brewery. Uh, my, my parents still live on a farm in the middle of nowhere in Australia. And, uh, my dad used to grow a lot of pasture seed for cropping and stuff like that. And it's really, for me, in- incredibly gratifying to be able to go, literally go out to a farm and see our malt growing in the ground till then come back into the middle of the city and see someone drinking the final product is like genuinely tear worthy. <laughs> it is beautiful stuff. It feels so good. Yeah, plus right. Caleb throws an open house once a year and it brings a lot of, a lot of real weird weird distillers and brewers yeah. together really like 200 beers and 50 different whiskeys and yeah and the thing is he just sets up what? refrigerators all over his farm and what do you uh mean? what do you mean by that there's literally because, refrigerators because he's just like hey like farm. can you just get me like a couple of bottles and some crowlers and like the refrigerators like in your house or like, like uh, the, no like it's the outside, outside, outside like scattered around the farm like the glass ones like at a no, liquor like, store like or like your, no, no, no like no, a refrigerator like a in whirlpool your house. just yeah <laughs> no, yeah yeah dude like some big white <laughs> that is amazing and then he just writes on the chalkboard what's in it and you need to send cameras next time this happens oh yeah it's outrageous I mean, he probably had well easily over 200 beers, and and then he just invites his clients over, and you can camp on his farm, or you you don't have to, but it's in the middle of nowhere. So sounds like a documentary waiting to happen. Yeah, so you should probably camp. Part two. He he lights fireworks, and he's got his family out, and all of his family friends, and and they're just running around a bunch of drunk brewers, and it's 
seems to work out pretty well. <laughs> by, by like, he's like, these are the weirdos <laughs> that pay me. To yeah, to he literally just stuff. put a fire out there. He's like, well, I think that's where you guys are staying. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> and then by 3 a.m. in the morning, we're all cooking you know, hot dogs on a fire and <laughs> hanging out with a heap of random brewers from Tennessee. So it's, uh, yeah, it's my favorite thing. That I'll sounds phenomenal. Like the, 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 the weird like gatherings that happen through beer or you know the components of beer yeah. are incredible and the very organic ones like yeah that. they're super they're organic the and they're super like like i, I was i was told a story about uh, like i often ask brewers and people like like what's your favorite from your perspective as the brewer not as the consumer or as the person buying the ticket like what's your favorite festival to attend you know because the favorite festival of the consumer not necessarily going to match the one that you wanted to attend true. to and uh, for a long time, I heard stories of like uh, Mike over at Microphones is really popular for the brewers. And then uh, um, Weldworks out in Colorado. Well, this year I got a bunch of guys. Like, we got invited to uh, Voodoo. And they said Voodoo would send you like a car to the airport when you get off. And it's a long way away from the airport. So then you'd, you'd take that car over to, to Voodoo. And they, like, basically you'd get out of the car and they would hand you like some beer, a rifle. And ah. uh, like you'd just be like in the middle of nowhere on farmland. And they had like cars and dishwashers and fridges that you'd set up with explosives on them. And you'd just go there and drink beer and shoot shoot uh, guns at them. all right so <laughs> well, like, uh, what a great what a great way to kind of warm everybody up care package to yeah right yeah. man what a great in rural pennsylvania like just <laughs> little things like that like these gatherings that happen yeah. you know like some things that you're like exactly what you think they would be they're very organized and you know yeah blah, blah, blah. and then there's like well at our festival you get guns when you get out of here <laughs> like, it's so random like the kind of stuff that can happen like you guys are talking about this place he sets fridges up around his farm yeah just yeah it's 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 my new favorite thing it is it, it is so amazing. much fun and to literally like be out in the middle of nowhere and just watch a heap of 16 year olds with mullets light off fireworks for like an hour and a half that's worth it by itself like now did you, you said you grew when you grew up in australia like yes, you, did your yeah. parents you were always on a farm like that so, so you were, like, yeah used I, to that uh, I, sure wow it's gonna get real weird so uh i grew up roughly about four and a half hours four hours ish uh uh, pretty much just west of Sydney over the Blue Mountains in a place called Cowra. Uh, so my parents bred and trained thoroughbred racehorses. Uh, my mum's a local school teacher and, and my dad had a property and a, and a business on the side. And yeah, I grew up riding racehorses as like, that was like the family job. I used to break and train racehorses. I uh, used to compete a lot in uh, you know equestrian sports most of the equestrian sports that I'm really into aren't the ones that are very fancy. Uh, so think like polo cross, which is literally lacrosse on horses. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you've never seen that, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll let listeners YouTube it. Cause that shit's badass. That sounds pretty badass. Yeah. It's literally like, it's a lacrosse net on a horse. And, and yeah. now you, so you will have CT at some point. Is what it's a hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, so it, it's really weird to have such a, a, a shift uh, you know, growing up the middle of nowhere and uh, essentially growing up like a little redneck on a farm and now I live Australian in the middle of Chicago. Like yeah, I, like Australian, yeah, big definition there. Uh, right, big so is that like super different? Like have you met like a redneck from rural Illinois or something? <laughs> or like, and been like, those are nothing like the ones we got in Australia. Uh, yeah, look, there's, there's a lot of commonality when it comes to things, you know, trucks, chasing pigs, 
uh, little things like that. Yeah, that yeah, like I understand Texas a so lot. So when's the Chasing Pigs IPA come out? That's what. Oh I, yeah, I, that, that's probably. I'm gonna like save that one for if I'm ever living just in check Texas. Untap, make just sure it's uh, Chasing you know. Pigs. Uh, so yeah, I, I grew up in the bush. It was it was really really great. It's like part of my life that I'm really happy I was able to, uh, uh, you know, leave. Uh, I, as much as I really enjoyed it, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be working or working a farm again. Uh, it's, it's not something I really saw myself doing long term, but I'm really glad it, it's something I did. And I definitely bring those skills to brewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents' farm operates off uh, a series of wells and pumps from a river. And a brewery is nothing but a massive collection of pumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I grew up fixing pumps with my dad and being able to use skills you never thought you'd ever use again for like what you do as a day-to-day job is super fun. Uh, I, I still text my dad like pictures of pump seals, <laughs> pumps and, stuff. and valves. Like, dad, check it out. Check it out. He's like, oh yeah, that's that's a really O-ring good. Blew out that's a really one. good check three inch O ring. Like like oh, okay, cool. Check out the size of this one, Dad. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> I would just send them brew turds. I'd just send them those the hot matter just squeezing out the pipes. Yeah. Oh, I, I'll be honest. I've sent them those videos, and they're just thoroughly Inappropriate. confused. Inappropriate, he's, son. Yeah. He's just like, I don't understand why you've got cows in the brewery. I'm like, that's that didn't come from a cow. I'm really sorry. I love that before we started this, you're like, yeah, I send them all to my parents because they, they're not quite sure what happens. Like yeah, well, they wait. think it's really bizarre. Uh, I, I literally... So they're paying you a substantial amount to be able to... So, yeah, so, yeah, they they still don't really grasp that this is a a, a career. Uh, beer is, I wouldn't say in its infancy in Australia. It's uh, it's definitely come leaps and bounds the last ten years, but we're we're, we're definitely behind uh, when it comes to, I guess, the creativity you mean like, of okay, beers. The creativity uh, there you go. That's in, in Australia. The word I was shooting. Uh, yeah, like it's. <sighs> I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm talking badly about Australian beer. I'm, I'm very enamored with it, and I, I think people are doing some great stuff. But as a broad generalization, uh, we're, we're, we've got a little way to go before we're catching up to America. And the beer over there, they don't take, like, the cigarette path, do they? Like, with the, the nasty, like... Uh, there, there's no on the picture on the side, side of it, like the cigarettes. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, it is still okay. expensive, for sure. Uh, I was recently back in April. Uh, and spent like two hours in my local liquor store in my parents' hometown just looking at shelves and Staring giggling. at shit. Like, <laughs> like, a bottle of Jack Daniels is how much? What, like, how bad is it? Oh, we're talking like 70, 75 bucks for not even a handle. <laughs> oh so my it's, God. yeah. Like, I, oh. my, the thing that I for, I'd forgotten about, I'd spent so much time in the States, uh, was how much like a, a 30 rack costs. Uh, for essentially PBR equivalent, Natterdays uh, is roughly about. Oh, you probably can't hear yourself now. Uh, <laughs> what was it like? Fifty starts at like fifty dollars. Really, for like a thirty rack. That's plus PBR is also qualified as a uh, premium import beer yeah, in Australia. High end. So high I end think it's hilarious beer. that uh, all these hipsters in Australia see hipsters in America drinking PBR. Because it's cheap, uh, but they drink it because they think it's really like, fucking it's a cool. Status symbol. Yeah, like oh man, like I can't pay my rent, but really got that PBR in me. That was like seventy five dollars. Like that's bizarre. Idiots. That's so bizarre. Yeah. So look, I'm I'm really enamored with Australian beer. I think they're doing great things. But uh, yeah, Chicago's home. Feels um, good. Yeah. What what drove you? What drove you out here, man? What, what, <laughs> it's, what, it's, what made you go? What it's made you really go, simple. Let's go. It's really simple. Uh, my wife ran out of visas. 
A lady. Uh, yes. Again, back my to my our wife. Movie. Had, yeah. Back. To, okay. So the second. I wanted to verify that that was indeed what it was. <laughs> I, I kind of read in between the lines, but I was like, well, maybe it was another something else. Yeah. Like, my uh, my wife ran out of visas, and it was uh, this beautiful, uh, poignant moment where we were drinking beers in my apartment, and uh, I just looked at her and I was like, we're fucked. That's it. Like you, you can't come back to Australia. Like. That's it. You, but you can like, come to America. But I could come to America. So I literally just looked at her and was like, you know, do you want to get married? And she was like, screw it. Why not? And, you know, uh, it's it, it's funny to look back on now. But, Every uh, little girl's dream. Had Fuck no- it. Why had not? Literally had nothing to lose. Like, she's more entitled to half of nothing than anybody. Uh, so we literally just packed everything I had. Uh, I moved to America with a backpack. Uh, sold everything that I owned and... Moved to the West Coast and then ended up moving back to Chicago because my wife missed the weather. So I kind of feel like I was tricked a little She's bit. Tired of the sunshine. She was like, yeah. Uh, it's too nice out And here. I moved I here in a, in a winter and literally got out of the car and looked at my wife and went, this was a horrible mistake. What's, uh, where were you at on the West Coast? Uh, I was in a place called Riverside, which oh, is... like yeah. the LA area? L- yeah, yeah, essentially okay, like yeah. Uh, the Inland Empire. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. So we were out there while I went and finished my immigration, and uh, which... Immigration in itself is a hilarious, hilarious story. Uh, <laughs> I'm willing to listen. <laughs> uh, look, just, I guess, like, moral of the story is this. Don't make jokes to immigration officials because they are actually trying to do their job. Oh. Just because you've got a horrible sense of humor doesn't mean you should be throwing out horrible jokes while they're trying to do paperwork. Weirdly I c- comforted I conf- by it, but no, also... No, I just totally confused them, like and then I was confused, and then it, it made an interview way too long. It's, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, so, thankfully now, being in the States for... It'll be six and six and change years, and uh, yeah, going for citizenship 2020. Rock no and roll. Shit. Yeah, yeah, exciting boy. stuff. Citizenship 2020. That beer's got to be come out too, right? Yeah, well, we got a fooder age something in there, right? Maybe we can 2020. Yeah, get I'm that bottle conditioning started right right well, now. I'm just I'm just excited to vote. That'll be pretty cool. Okay, because you know it's, it's been so useful for all of us. Well, I wasn't so. going to say anything. I don't talk, I don't talk politics on this show. That's I mean, fine. I'm, Look, I'm happy to I, if you. I'm want just to, I'm just excited to vote yeah. because people always ask me if I can vote when uh-huh. I'm at the train station. I'm like, no, sorry, I'm not allowed to. Ooh. So. That in itself is like super great. I'm like, yes, I can actually do that now. Yeah, I'm going to decide some shit. Yeah. Well, I'm going to help us all ruin yeah. everything. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. like, everybody's in the same boat now. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to like go straight Australian focus here. No, just because no, you have fine. an accent doesn't it's, mean we have to spend 20 it's minutes hard on not it. to. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but the thing I wanted to talk about was, we'll, like, we'll wrap back around for to 20 minutes ago when we started talking about this beer that we, you poured us. Um, the, the wilds in, in that uh, you just you called it a saison, uh, Jake. You know that this is not a saison that I think the mass market is is used to that taste. No, absolutely not. They're like, where's all these? Where's all the weird like? I don't know. I mean, well, it, or like you know. Yeah, I mean, it resides for an oak and a and a salar salara oaked, uh, several salara oaked punchins that have their own microbial content and and microflora happening inside of them and uh at this point in time it's just a product of what comes out it you know i kind of say this a lot of times because some people have questioned uh why i'm stylistically calling something what it is it went in as a saison so it's coming out as a saison i like that Uh, (laughs) i like that 
but yeah, it, it veers really hard off the, the, uh, the traditional Saison world. But I mean, it's aged for, uh, you know, 16, 17 months. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's gonna have some character to it. It's gonna have some lactic acidity. It's gonna have some Brett, uh, uh, Brett character. It's gonna be massively attenuated. It's gonna have a touch of oak. Um, it's gonna, and it's gonna have maybe, you know, a soft, 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 soft touch of acid, um, acetic acid. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we we probably don't have to call it a Saison, but, I would like to think that we live in this world right now that mm, that an educated beer consumer can be able to say, oh, this is a, an, a Saison that's aged in oak for over a year. There's You're going to see some some usual suspects there. Oh, you know, you're talking acidity. about a fantasy world you're living yeah. in. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, I yeah, get yeah. it now. No, mm. no but seriously. Like <laughs> the, these are the world. flavor. These are the flavors that I think this like this beer if you if somebody asked me like what would you do with this like from a sales or whatever you want to be a wild ale no 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 not not like what would i change that it's one of these beers i would say you have to get that into somebody's hands before you can convince them that that's something they need right you know because that beer you're gonna say like oh this is a food rage saison 16 months and they'd be like i don't really like saisons like i'm gonna move on to like a sour or wild yeah this is definitely turned into one of those if you know you know kind of if you gave that to somebody if you open that bottle in a group of 10 people and poured it out for them at Everybody's going to that cooler to buy that beer. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Know, it's crazy. It's it's so good. You know, it's amazing when you end up giving it to someone like uh, I, I know, like a Karen from the suburbs who doesn't like craft beer, yeah. but they come in here and we you know we still have a red and a white wine on the bar, and you know especially when we've got things like this on draft, and they're like, well, do you actually just want to like try something before I get your glass of Chardonnay? And the next thing you know, they're like four beers deep. They're just. <laughs> Being able to like share these with people who wouldn't necessarily be gravitate towards these styles of things—that's that's really fun. I, I love hearts and minds, you know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not in, in into podcasting to like shit on people's beer or like yeah. tell them like sit at a table with them and be like, "This beer fucking sucks." I don't know why you guys bothered putting this in the bottle, but mm-hmm. I'm also very honest about something that I really like. Like yeah. that is that's one of those beers that you could bring people under the tent with. It, like I would say, like, I don't know how familiar you guys are with uh, Mike Thorpe's work at uh, afterthought. Like mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. doing yeah. some of the best work in Chicago right now to, to get people to like buy something outside the IPA or the stout or the, like a kettle sour sure, you yeah. know, off the shelf. So he's doing some great work in that. And like that beer falls in with that. And I see Mike Shalau, I mean, uh, he used to be at Pipeworks. Now he's doing is yeah. was out of Mars. Like Mike's stuff is so good. I mean, it's so like, bring you under the tents like bring you into the mix like these these beers you know yeah, i don't think a lot of people know that you guys uh, make these you know which is fine you might want it that way but you know some brett they're, they're, they're amazing yeah. some brett table beer recently he, that well, was splitting them you know, yeah he did a clean and then a brett and both of those were they're probably two of my favorite beers i've drunk in the last six First months of all, in love with the guy himself he's just one of the sweetest Absolute guys gym. i had him on as like the pipeworks barrel master we talked about barrels and aging and his whole story and then i had him on once he started his was and that was pretty recent. And like he took me to the beer cellar after, or uh, beer temple afterwards, and we sat down and talked some more. And just going over like what he's doing, he found a five barrel fermenter sitting in the back of Mars's, you know, and was like, "Hey, what are you doing with that?" You know, <laughs> he's like, he's like, four out of the five don't lock in right, you know, on the little porthole on the front. But he's like, he's like, we'll figure it out, you know. And he's taking these batches, splitting them in half, and Brett 
and like you, you were talking about bottle conditioning mm-hmm. and all that. It's like that's what that was really sparking for me. And you see that 500 milliliter bottle, like that's such a good, oh yeah, it's such a nice like vehicle for these styles of beers. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm not gonna say it's gonna come kick the hazy IPA out of the out of the, no, the market right now, but Jesus man, this is it's such a good beer and such a worthwhile beer. Mm-hmm. The dryness and you were talking about the table one. That's the bourgeois daydreams. Mm-hmm. I think yep. yeah, both both halves of that beer Plus, I, I delicious. love i love his idea of uh thoughtful gorilla brewing is like essentially what mm-hmm. i could summon it down to so much respect and yeah. thoughtfulness yeah. going into and it. and that's the world that i live in like i actually i really enjoy uh, these kind of new american interpretations of table beers and of wild beers and breaded beers not necessarily acidic of acid beers of um fruit re-fermentations that's actually the world that i most resonate and connect with and there's not a lot of people in chicago that are actually saying you know what like we're doing these mixed culture projects let's bottle condition them let's 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 take the risk let's do a lot of these like really little more elegant beers and 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 do that procedure with them and uh there really isn't i mean when we wanted to uh, start, you know, bottle conditioning uh, certain beers that we do on, a, you know, 10 barrels at a time, like, um, you know, we'd always, you know, bottle condition some test batches, half barrel here, half barrel there. Uh, but then we kind of really wanted to, like, start exploring, like, all right, er, like, these beers are really old. Uh, do we need a repitch? You know, like, yes, we do need a repitch for some of these. Like, what, you know, what to expect? Is the beer dry enough? Um, how much time? Like, you know, what kind of re-fermentation curve are we looking at with, uh, you know, THP pickup or like of cleaning it up in the bottle, uh, you know, and depending on how much we pitch and, and what kind of, you know, yeast we're pitching for re-fermentation, uh, for um, bottle re-fermentation. Uh, you know, that's a something that uh, not a lot of people here in Chicago are doing. Um, so I had a, a bit of an issue of, of how to find these answers out, you know, three years ago. And uh, it was, and, but I had a, a strong resource and network of people. So it's, it's really awesome to see that other people are doing that in Chicago. Um, and, uh, they're, they have people that they can talk to and they're figuring it out as well. Cause that's not like, that terrifies a lot of brewers. It um, is terrifying. It's terrifying on the, on the marketing side. And like I said, on the investment of, you know, side too, right. like, Oh, you want to package uh, you know, th- you know, twelve hundred, three thousand, five hundred mils of something, and bottle condition it, and then just cross your fingers that it either conditions. I, I mean, we have two thousand bottles that are duds right now that we don't know what the hell to do with. But that was, you know, tequila barrel age. Price of poker, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. The dust, it's you know? but yeah. it just makes for such a better beer uh, than than uh, a mixed culture and wild. It just makes for such a better beer than. Um, Enforced carbon and 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 counter pressure packaging, um, mm-hmm. but uh, that is something that is a really big risk. So I'm really happy to see that like Mike and a lot of people are actually. No, it's like I, I want wanting to do that. I want to you know? put together a few of these people and like make a beer together somehow, somehow, somebody right. to market this to like get whatever it takes to get some people because that's all you need. You just need some people to drink it. You know, mm-hmm. you just need a few people to drink it, and then and then it will be understood. And then you know, I'm not saying it will be understood, but like you might see some more people wanting yeah. to buy it. I mean, I'm not saying like the success of that beer <laughs> equals people buying it. That that oh, has correct. nothing to yeah. do with it. No. I mean, 
it's these great experiences and we just kind of like developing that breadth of people's mm-hmm. palate. Like I am, I even as far as I've come doing this podcast and everything, like I'm still pretty fucking basic, you know, I still have a fridge full of hazy IPAs and <laughs> I have my barrel aged stouts downstairs in the, in the, in the warmer fridge, you know, like all that stuff. You like what you but, like though. But yeah. I love, you know, like these afterthoughts and like last night I had the, the Oud Creek from, from Dre, you know, it's like the, these beers that are now sitting as shelf turds in Chicago mm. shelves right now. Uh, you know, they see the big three written on the side of a green bottle. You should buy it. <laughs> you know, like it's pretty good stuff. So, yeah. but it's good to see some of our, uh, our locals are making these like, just outstanding wilds and stuff. I mean, it's just not yeah. out there. You know, it's not out there. It's well, Chicago's a tough world to live in when you're trying to sell a lot of wilds. Um, we've seen a lot of breweries that, that opened up with very dedicated wild games that aren't necessarily uh, uh, able to push a lot of that volume in the Chicago market. Uh, I think the, one of the benefits that we have here at Cruise is that we can, you know, we have a wild program. It's not huge. It's not small. Um, well, small is relative, but it's not the smallest. And we can package these things, and we can store them, and we can serve them on site. And we can serve them on site for a year, two years, however long it takes to get rid of it. Uh, you know, we can send a couple of out to distro if we want to do that. Um, but most of it is just, you know, hold on to the investment in-house and showcase it here put it in the right hands and we can also sell it to go. So if you really want it and you had it and you liked it here, you can leave with it. And I think that's been a really good model uh, as uh, for us, uh, for a lot of these more specialty products, pe- uh, uh, projects, because uh, again, we can, we can control that inventory. And you know, when we start running low and I'm like, you know what, I still want to be able to serve this six months from now, we can just put the ax on it and hold on to it. And then we can come back to it six months later. Uh, just to try to spread the wealth out. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we have ultimate control of that, and that's something that uh, you don't always have the benefit of um, uh, for larger breweries. I mean, I guess you can do it at larger breweries too, but um, that's definitely something that we can uh, control a little bit more on our end versus just sending it all out into the world and mm-hmm. seeing uh-huh. and seeing what happens. Don't, don't you think like I don't I don't know I shouldn't I shouldn't say don't you think to start the sentence but for, for me like I look at it we're all kind of born and bred with this this uh, American business mentality maybe not you maybe you maybe you came up <laughs> in a better with a better mentality but like you're born and bred with this kind of like business mentality of like supply and demand and like get it out like get it sold get it you know the max everything's got to be the max like get, sure, sure, get sure. the most out of everything and then it's <laughs> it's you, you don't slow down to look at it like how big do you really want to get. You know, well, like, uh, is that what you're driving towards? Is that why you want to sell all that and sell it out first yeah. day and get all the, like, is it because you want to grow bigger and bigger and go from 10 barrel to 20 barrel and then have 90 barrel fermenters? Like, I, I, I just, that's a question I like to ask people is like, how, how big is big enough for you? What's your goal? Yeah. Are you like this ultimate marketing guy? Like, I just want to keep exponential growth every year or like once I get to 10 barrels or like, you know, I'm doing 90 barrel batches. I can't do it anymore. I can't have the quality of beer that I plan on having after that point. You know? I think this is where Jacob and I differ a fair bit. We're up to... Well, yeah, yes and no. I think for right now where Cruise is at, um, we're in a really valuable sp- space right now um, and position right now because, you know, we still have the brew pub here and we get to work on all these really small specialty projects that we've spent a lot of the show talking about. But there's also another side of cruise right now and that's uh our production at great central 
and just like Maplewood is doing, just like Middlebrow has been doing for a while, just like Beguile is doing. Um, got some heavy hitters over there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and and but that facilitates um, a very different side of these breweries uh, in terms of just expansion and growth, and it's also a safe investment because, as opposed to going big on a production facility, which is a dangerous thing to do right now because we just don't know where beer is going to be in uh, two years from now. I think it, you know, we can still have uh, these a really great relationship with Great Central. Um, we can still produce beers that are essentially bread and butter beers, you know, uh, that are don't have necessarily the same romance story on the from the from a brewer's perspective. Um, that is, it's serving. It's a very valuable. Uh, purpose for us right now and we can get mexico calling out on shelves which i quite enjoy uh because of it's just which, simplicity do we have any of that in cans we can pop one open yeah sure like, i just I, I wouldn't oh no you that. know what i don't think so i don't know you got the other yeah i'll other just go cores. rip a couple of drops i'll be right back okay um yeah so we've got that we've got mexico calling um you know we've got a uh, couple of seasonals that we rotate out through, and then we've got you know L Train as as a, a classic IPA that has its place in this world still, um, and then we've got Palm Shade, which is kind of uh, a hazy-ish. It's like in the middle somewhere, like yeah, it's somewhere in the middle. So um, yeah, I, those are the beers that uh, are facilitating our marketing growth right now and facilitating um, our awareness. I mean, people are starting to figure out, uh, oh this brewery does exist and then they come here after having some of those beers and then they try a lot of the more experimental things and that's i think you know three years into what we're doing that's kind of it's kind of where we're at right now people are starting to actually know us and get to know us a little bit more which the logo is uh, becoming more recognizable yeah, like, the name yeah. itself I'll, you know Absolutely. you know what I, all what those things my kind of personal experience with cruise uh other than like stuff i've bought and seen in stores and all that it's been uh and then like experiences at fest and like stout fest this year trying the crazy awesome stuff you guys had it was like rum barrel and banana something you know you guys yeah. had some some cool crazy stuff on but but you, my experience from you guys with the combined with the podcast itself for the last you know two years i think i'm about two years old now doing this show is the respect that you guys get from other breweries and other brewers like the oh, uh, like cruise like, <laughs> like you should go that you know you oh you know you haven't done cruise yet i've gotten that so many times where it's like oh you haven't done cruise yet you should do cruise you know before and after the episodes talking and just bullshitting about chicago beer it's like yeah because we're in a weird space we're in randolph street we're in the west loop this isn't a beer neighborhood it's barely uh, not to talk Poorly of the it's West like the Loop. city winery right here too. Yeah, like some right city winery. Yeah, it's like right here. I think but I saw it's a show there recently. It's, it's barely the traditional sense of a neighborhood in that it's just it's heavy foot traffic. It's 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 high heels. It's suits. It's um, it's a lot of restaurants. It's a lot of expensive restaurants. So this area doesn't. It's not. It's it doesn't make you feel like. Um, like when you're at Half Acre Lincoln or even Barramola at this point in time. And Ravenswood, you know. Right. Like you're you're, you're go, connected. I can go and Half Acre correct. and like you're all connected to OG. A, yeah. You're connected to a neighborhood. You're connected to something that's, that's yeah, you're connected. You, you have a connection. Like that's, you know, that's a part of a lot of the success of, 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 of a lot sir. of those places because they're, they're, they're part of their community. It's really hard for us to do that here at Cruz because it just, just doesn't have that same kind of neighborhood camaraderie. Uh, so we're in a really weird space. I mean, 
but it, our product is 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 as best as as we, we can make it and you know carving out our own kind of little path so yeah it's we we do have a lot of the respect from the brewing community but from the community as a whole the beer drinking community the nerds the people who want you know the hazy stuff like we're in a little bit more challenging spot because people don't want to necessarily come here i'm not going to talk well a lot of people pay your bills at the end of the day uh your kind of gateway consumers um i would say the more niche like specialty beer drinkers uh, they're a really small percentage of who pay our bills uh, to be in complete transparency. Right, right. Like to the, the, the guys who are hunting down barrel-aged stouts right. and trading in the secondary market right. guys yeah. and the flippers, like they're, exactly. they're very, very little of what But they also doing. generate they have their the place. most buzz. Right, they have their place and like that's fine. Like that's that's your path. That's right. great. But they, like, yeah, sorry. They, they generate the most buzz. Uh, and um, West Loop is not a place they want to be. <laughs> No, that's that's a very very fair statement. Uh, while I was getting beers, I, I I heard you mention like suits. That's like a great way to think about it. <coughs> like just down the street from us, you've got the headquarters of McDonald's, you've got uh, the Google Building. Uh, like there's WeWork around the corner. There's a lot of uh, office space around us. There's a lot of people coming to and going home from work mm-hmm. in our neighborhood. Uh, and like Jacob said, it's not not a very traditional like brew pub kind of location. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword. It's it's both you know a, a a blessing and a curse at the same time. You know, we have like a great amount of regulars who are like, oh sweet, finish work, we'll go to cruise. But at the same t- point in time, like you're as Jacob was saying, like the traditional beer consumer or the people who are generating those buzz, the uh, you know the the neck beards of the world. Uh, they they don't like. Now you w- said traditional beer consumers and then neck beards. I feel like those are two different things. Oh, <laughs> traditional oh, I, beer. D- I guess it depends but on which point of yeah, right. point on the craft beer timeline you're looking at. Uh, I think those th- two things have kind of merged. Nowadays, those guys are living five ounce, you know, sampler to five ounce sampler of twelve ounce beers. I mean, yeah, not a lot of. Not a lot of pints of uh, you know your your Mexican lagers and that. So but yeah, that's it's it's a it's an interesting time to not only just be in beer but be in an interesting part of Chicago while it's happening. The amount of development we've seen around us in the last three years is staggering in itself. Uh, like I wasn't very like well versed in this neighborhood, so when I first started working here in the West Loop it was all kind of new to me and to see the changes in the last three years is just astounding so the closest thing for you guys is like what Haymarket's right here Haymarket what else else is right Uh, closest things to us we've got Haymarket down on uh, Holstead and Randolph Uh, and then uh, I think the next closest would be All Rise and then Goose Island Rise Goose Great Central on tour Fulton Great Central yeah the the, uh, the beer rise. area down there. If you keep going the down on Lake. It's not too far, right, then? Yeah, the it's four, not too far. The four-man group there. And then if you keep going on Lake, uh, that new that, that new uh, brewery that opened oh. up. Uh, God damn it. 
I don't know. Blue. I wish I could help you. No, it's like Great. W- w- no, not Great West. Something, something. A twenty-six. So. What was that? A number in it? There's like a something. Uh, no, no, those I are yeah, more no, commercial. Uh, it shows how connected we'll, we'll, I am. We'll fix to this, this in in post. No, we won't. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we will sit here and remain confused. <laughs> and we will all yes. eat this together. I'm, I'm, I feel terribly connected to this community and also terribly disconnected from it on certain aspects because, I don't know. Um, Your peripherals can only go so far. Yeah, and you have a lot, lot happening. Yeah. You have a lot to look over here. Even on days you're closed, you have 40 customers trying to beat down the door while we're sitting here <laughs> trying to record a podcast. <laughs> I can't believe I just I'm shocked at the amount of people that I've seen because like you're looking at the door, I'm looking at your eyes, and I'm looking you look <laughs> over my head and just kind of <laughs> mouthing the words like "we're closed." <laughs> like, it's yeah, this this straight Mondays. What can I say? Like the worst thing is like Hashtag when I'm behind Mondays. yeah when I'm like in the brewery behind the glass wall and. You don't have that opportunity to mouth wear closed and they just stand there and put their hands against the glass <laughs> and you're just like, oh my oh, God. Guy was just here cleaning that yesterday. Yeah, I want to help you so much, but also uh, take your hands off the goddamn yeah, windows. Right? We try to, we, run, we run a clean ship around here. That, but they, and like the, the, how often do you guys get recognized as like, oh, that's the Rick Bayless place. Like that's the, like, you know. A lot. A Cruz lot. Blanca. That's a the, lot. oh, there you go. Like yeah. the, you know, they got good food, obviously. Like, it's, uh. It. Yeah, that's that also goes back to the how hard it is to navigate kind of our space in this in this brewing community because there's a lot of brewers that just kind of with okay there's there's the industry and then there's outside of the industry and then within the industry there's still a lot of people who just associate us with the Rick, with Rick and the restaurant group which at this point in time um, there's internally there's a there's a pretty well-defined separation from what we're doing and what the restaurant group is doing uh we operate like uh side by side but not necessarily dependent on e- of each other um and w- you know we're 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 we've always wanted to carve out the identity as being the brewery first uh well at least at this point in time as being you know predominantly brewery um with really great food that's owned and operated and or, or operated, not necessarily owned, operated and managed through the restaurant group. Um, the beer program kind of is sales a little bit more independently of that, but we still cross, uh, cross when we need to cross. Um, but a lot of people in the brewing community still kind of uh, explaining that to someone isn't like the easiest like, thing so to do. Why are you so corporate, bro? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so not even that. Dude. It's just, it's oh, just yeah. having to make the explanation like, are you a real brewery? Yeah. Well, yes, we are a real brewery. <laughs> People yeah, jump like, to uh, assumptions pretty quickly. But like, if they didn't know the tap, like the type of beers you were making, mm-hmm. I could see that, that being... Oh, yeah. Like, 100%. Like, uh, and we, we had yeah. this reflected of like how many amber ales are you guys making over there? <laughs> like... But yeah, we, we kind of had this reflected during Fobab. We, we threw a couple of parties after both the sessions... If you were here, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> I forced Malort on a lot of people. Uh, but <laughs> how anyway. Would you, how can you apologize for that? That I, is quintessentially well, Chicago. Yeah. Mm, yeah we be remiss we for filled up a porrin with a bottle of Malort and we had a great time. But, you know, it, it's amazing to hear feedback from people in the community to be like, ah, oh, you know. I had no shit. idea. I had no idea. Tell me you got this into people's hands. Yeah, like that, we that drank a lot. You got of some wilds into people's hands, right? Because yeah, I guarantee absolutely. you those reactions were like from brewers too. If you had brewers in this place, oh yeah, like, yeah, we you know, uh, it was actually people. They'd be like, what? between I mean, that beer, here. our Flemish red, and uh, 
the you just made a look at the fridge. You're saying there's one in there that I can <laughs> I can grab on my way out of here. Yeah, we're gonna. Tell me your point of sale system is up. I want the point of sale system to be working right now. I'm taking home some shit. Um, yeah, we get that sort of um, reaction, and then I guess still from the beer community, uh, we're still again. We're, there's two. I mean, maybe there's three kinds of consumer out there, but we have these conversations a lot. And I'm not the marketing person on this. Like Manny and uh, the owner and Kathleen, they're much more, I mean, they're beer lovers, but they uh, they kind of deal with more of the marketing thing. And they have both extensive backgrounds in marketing. There's, uh, We go through these conversations a lot. And it's funny because we live in two different worlds. And I have my the, uh, the things that it really gravitate towards me and I've always kind of considered myself slightly or not slightly uh, a little more above average impervious to marketing because I just despise marketing. I felt like you were like <laughs> when you watch a movie and they say the title of the movie. In yeah. It, like, like you just said above average. My <laughs> podcast is called Average Joe's <laughs> Above Average Beer Podcast. Like, I'm like not that g- moment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to let all this like subconscious stuff like it's I don't want I don't crave a Pepsi right now. Um <laughs> Like or you know I'm I don't want to go out and like see a Katy Perry concert. Uh, Don't. (laughs) Jacob's fought in the machine. She's beautiful. I've okay. (laughs) Let's just be honest. There is there was a Celine Dion concert uh, yesterday. Don't you do? Don't 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 talk shit about my girl. There was one. She's from Canada. She's not Australian. Yeah, but she talks in Celsius, so like that's fucking. (laughs) There's one. Yeah, it's like metric shit, man. Dude, you you wouldn't kilometers. You wouldn't understand. (laughs) Like there was one brewer, and I'm not going to name his name, but he was. We tried to book him for an event to do something at our shop, and he's like, I'm, "Unfortunately, I'm going to the Celine Dion concert with my wife." Awesome. <laughs> and I he's like, and, and, "I know, and I respect it, I love it, I get it." The music. I was like, "Dude, just go and enjoy it." Like it's good. Like it's just like when you find tour so often. Look, so. like it's it's when people hate Enya. Like that that gets me worse because like, how can you fucking hate Enya? Like that shit's the sound of a waterfall. Yeah. Haters gonna hate. <laughs> that, see, that's it. Like I hate to use that. That applies you know? to beer. Like you can do your best efforts as much mm-hmm. as you can, but They're someone's gonna, gonna find it and hate yeah. it. You know. I, I've always been uh, anti-system, um, anti the system, and anti things. But like, how deep does it go? He's got uh, a massive punk rock tattoo. Like not that like deep. Uh, not that deep. I, I was. I say this like state right now. Yeah, He's I'm like. The power of knowledge is Jeffrey Epstein talks <laughs> coming up <laughs> next. So, I was uh, let's not get so into that. Hard. Epstein's coming back because yeah. we got a lot of things that we can talk about. Let's <laughs> print that on the on your, uh, on your labels under underneath I'll, the camera. I'll go get <laughs> the you guys laser that on the bottom. I'll Jeffrey go get the Epstein aluminum foil so we can all make some hats real quick. Yeah. We'll get the illuminated boys in here. We'll, we'll <laughs> really we'll go to town on some of that. Um, I, I I just I don't yeah I don't. Uh, I, I've just never really been a fan of marketing. I don't like being like brainwashed into no one. like, however, I know that we live in this, this world and I know that, uh, it's an effective tool and, and it, it is, it is alive and real lot around us. Um, so, uh, I guess I'm not sure how we got on this tangent, but, uh, I doesn't matter. Yeah. Like <laughs> go with there's, it. there's, there's a lot of consumers on the other end. Um, uh, and that that pay our bills and that you know that we have to worry about and um you know uh, going back to whole the whole stuff that we're doing at a great central like these are very safe very just well-designed delicious beers that are that are kind of targeted to a a larger a, a large audience um to where that if you're really into beer 
and you know i don't yeah neck beard whatever you want to call them like uh you know people that are super into whales and things like that that will appreciate and that they will find delicious and then you know um, you don't drink whales bro people that you know (laughs) okay and then people like people that want to drink Oh yeah, I do drink whales. You better than us. We had, we had some not we had, the whales, dude. We had some right. Thanksgiving whales. Uh, <laughs> and then you know, Mexico calling is like, oh, you know, like you want a Modelo? Cool, I do too. Uh, I drink a lot of Modelo, but Mexico calling, give it a try. Or you know, um, but you know, like micheladas. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. they make great micheladas. Sorry, whales, bro. <laughs> I only drink 4.4 and if above. If, if you want to <laughs> slap some limes and some tahini and doses yeah. of volunteer, go ahead. I make like, my own whales at home. Yeah, right? like <laughs> we we are like not against that at Give all. Me a workforce old pile and a little hot sauce and like uh, that, some that seasoning. Actually, we'll that actually happened on Friday. Uh, well, what was it? Wednesday uh, was our last day of work, and I poured myself a Mexico calling and dressed that bad boy yeah. with the tahini rinse. Why wouldn't you? Squeezed a lime into it, and this dude at the bar was just like. Uh, there's Can I have one of those? Second time. Why today. the hell did you do that? <laughs> I was like, well, first off, it's just fucking delicious. Every uh, time. Have Every you never done this? Every time I make one, somebody goes, why would you do that? Uh, more, like, more people. Are we, are we about to turn away yeah, more people? I'm really sorry. <laughs> she's, like, can I, she's like, can yeah. I just, can I I'm bash sorry. the door in? She's uh, like, I'll, wait, I'll wait till she gets down the street and I'll just lob a can. No, the way she looked at you, I thought she was making like a baseball. Like, can I just break the door? That's what <laughs> it looked like. I thought that was what she was trying this to say. This is both like very heartwarming and threatening all so the same the time. So from the business side, it was like we've, we've uh, turned away, I don't know, a good thousand dollars in sales <laughs> right now. Yeah, what? Uh-huh. Right, time yeah, to flip the stools, time. boys. It's been uh, a good time. Yeah. No, uh, so, yeah, g- getting back to uh, what you're saying, like with the marketing and and. <laughs> trying to just kind of like, do, do you feel like you ever need to keep up, or do you guys kind of keep your head down and kind of just do what Cruz does? Don't we're worry about you know. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're just doing cut the noise. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I think most of our marketing is in it's incredibly genuine. Uh, we're we're not trying to reinvent the wheel in any way, shape, or form. So I feel as long as it's like a, a really approachable uh, and in formats that people can understand without having to get a science degree or have like 300 whales in your closet uh you know there's there's a nice middle ground <laughs> on for top people. of your radiator yeah. in your one bedroom <laughs> studio <laughs> apartment you've been to my I've house got, i've <laughs> got four thousand dollars worth of <laughs> worth of uh, stout sitting right here under my radiator <laughs> great place to store uh, <laughs> it's eight bottles yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just eight bottles so w- with the uh, gr- great central stuff like uh, that that whole kind of situation like I'm so fascinated by it that I've actually reached out to them so hopefully I'll get the chance to sit down with them and kind of just give people the education of like what that is and why yeah, it exists that'd be great. and all that but those, like those guys have a lot of really uh, interesting things to say and they're I mean they're good at what they do yeah who should I talk to you guys got inside we'll talk about it after yeah. we're done but <laughs> but like, I talked to uh, the, the guy I've talked to this. Uh, topic about most is Roger over at Maplewood. So yeah. Roger is Roger was really awesome, and Adam Smith too. You know, they yeah. just I think I was in there on a Monday with my wife. One day we just had the day off. She's a teacher. We're just like, oh another another group of customers. Sorry, yeah, we're no, just, we're, just <laughs> lo- we're losing See, money here, guys. I feel like I'm in this with you. Yeah. I feel like I'm in this with. 
This has just become now. thoroughly entertaining now. It's it's yeah. I wish we would have been recording the whole time because that'd have been like a good forty customers. <laughs> I think we had to turn it away on a Monday afternoon. Also, uh, yeah, shout out to anybody who wants to come to cruise. We're not open on Mondays. Uh, Tuesdays is great. Tuesday <laughs> is the day. Is awesome. Yeah, Tuesday through Sundays. But yeah, anyway, so Roger and Adam talked about like uh, you know because. I think from the from the general consumer and maybe like closer to the neckbeard side of the spectrum and mm-hmm. and then clo- somewhere in the middle, like people are like, oh well, that you're just throwing beer over at this place and they're just kind of like haphazardly brewing it and putting it in cans because you can't like Couldn't, you have to try to let them yeah. know like like we have a certain capacity here we have a certain amount of tap line yeah need to there's fill a reality here. like, to all of like it. these guys are highly skilled they have a great system over there they have you know the best you know. We wouldn't, we wouldn't risk our brand by right. associating with someone who couldn't execute at a very high level. And then the reason I'm talking to Roger and Adam about this, because I'm ignorant. So, you know, it's like, I yeah. want to, I want to know what's going on. So I'm like, so you're just saying like, here's son of juice, go brew it. You know, and Roger's like, dude, I might make two calls a week sometimes. And you're like, make sure the hopping rates are right. Make sure you're using this kind you know, make sure you're doing this to the water. Like, you know, and not like, not like he has to tell them like they, like they don't know what they're doing. You know, it's like just, yeah, but it's, it's still your, your, baby. It's your baby. Like, yeah. like you're, you know, my wife would call 40 times the first babysitter we ever got for the kids. You know, it was like, it was like, you sure you're doing this? You sure you're doing that? But it's like, it's your thing. It's your, you know, it's, it's, it's you don't want to have that disconnected feel. So like no, juice pants, high level of juice, and Pulaski pills are just know? these things that we sell. You know, so I like mean, you have to remember it's also their reputation that it's on the line, and it's also their, and it's also, it's also uh, their reputation that's on the line. I think you just mouth. I have to pee so bad. Oh, like that's, yeah, that's actually <laughs> what I said. <laughs> <laughs> it's their reputation on the line. Like they want to do good by their by their clients as well. They want the business. Um, it's sustainable for them. I mean, it, it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship that heavily depends on, on a high level of communication and, um, and sometimes negotiation. And, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's, you have to have a little bit, a bit of trust in each other, but you also have to hold each other accountable. So that's why a relationship like this isn't just so, um, I, I, people don't think about it that way. Um, they just think that, oh, you're just, you know, you're just basically uh, great central is not a copy machine where you just hand them a right. or, or, or something and then just press, you know, good, I'd, like good piece th- information, I'd like, Jake. I'd like, uh, 10,000 copies, please. Like it doesn't work that way. Like a hundred cases, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it really doesn't. So, uh, but people don't see that and that's okay. But, um, again, you know, Maplewood is a good, a, a really great example of, of a really successful brewery that's being able to, to use a great central, um, well, uh, again, going back to that symbiotic relationship, they've been able to use each other in a really positive way. And, you know, and, and the lounge is a really wonderful place. Like they have, they don't necessarily have a ton of room to grow inside of that space, but they certainly have a room to do a lot of specialty product, uh, uh, projects. And, you know, and now they have the, you know, they can can inside of that facility with their own canner. And like, that's a, that's beautiful. They've got, yeah. they, they're hitting the market from two very different angles, uh, very successfully. So, uh, they've, super they've, they've figured out, they've yeah. figured it out. And ironic too, that like the place that's helping small breweries grow, can't grow anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's super interesting and, and kind of funny that to, to look at it that way. But I mean, it, you know, people, uh, when you give people that information, 
it's always like a thing that you can watch people process physically. Yeah. When you tell, when you explain to them like, oh, well, you know, your juice pants, these any shrink wrap cans you see, like that's getting brewed, you know, down the street at mm-hmm. Great Central, and it's like. Yes, they're overseeing that. They're making sure, like, this is their recipe and this is the right grains, and they're making sure that, that the rates are right. And, and obviously, Great Central has to, like, let them know, like, hey, this is this is what works best on our system. Sure. So you're going to get the best quality product by doing this. So it's Roger or Adam's recipe, you know. Yeah. It's it's what they've built over over time. Um, but it's fun to t- explain to them, like, then when you see these these other cans, like that's what's coming right out of the brew house, right from you know Rogers fingertips to you, sure. whatever it is. Um, but like at the same time, even the biggest brand in Chicago right now has got to be Hot Butcher, right? I mean, everybody knows Hot Butcher. Everybody's buying everything that they're making, uh, no questions asked. And I've uh, a million and a half times respect for those guys. I love what they're making. I I buy their stuff every week too. But it's like, the, you know, they've utilized this, too, because people come into the shop where I work or even just they like, oh, you have a podcast. You might know some things I'll, I'll get a message randomly on Instagram. Like, hey, how come my hot butcher can says Bedford Park instead of Darien, Illinois? And it's like, I don't know how to have that conversation with people <laughs> like it, like I don't want it to say, like they're not half assing your beer. I promise you, like they're making yeah. sure it's of the most you know high end quality. It's a it's an issue where it's like to stay relevant in the market, get production, get your name out into stores, give the people the opportunity that can't make it out to Randolph here to, to, to purchase Cruz Blanca's product, get a chance to see what you guys are about. You yeah. Know? That's, that's exactly it. Looking from, uh, you know, from our perspective, when you, when you look at like a, uh, untapped and you can start to see how far your beer has made it away from home. Uh, that is fun too. Yeah. That's that's really cool, and you know those kind of fun experiences for us aren't possible without someone like Great Central. Mm-hmm. So, you know they, they they care as much as we do, and that's that's ultimately the most important thing. Well, I don't want to kill too much more of you guys' time. I know you guys want to got some shit to do, but I got I like one one quick thing. I've been staring at your tattoos the whole time we've been doing this. Uh, thank you. I guess let's talk about it. Let's uh, talk about. Like, is there any thought process? Or is it just like, let's go? I like tattoos. Let's uh, ride. I see yeah. a fish. I see this crazy snake with some blood drips. Okay, so I, I tap handle. I, okay, so when I married my wife, she <laughs> was or is and was uh, dripping in tattoos, and I hadn't gotten any. But I'd always thought that I really wanted to get some tattoos. I was, you know. Uh, and this is really weird because, like, I I enjoy the process of tattooing now, but like have a very big problem getting a flu vaccine not because of the oh, vaccine dude. the needle the, needle in, itself, the needles yeah, it's, yeah which hey, is you're weird. preaching to the choir right cool. now all right i'm glad you understand also to my eight and six year old this week <laughs> to explain to them how easy it is to get a flu shot meanwhile they're like are you getting one i'm like just nope. like sweaty and like <laughs> i'm like clean. dad's good yep. he's not doing that anymore yeah, yeah i used I to work at a hospital so i had to get him dude, so now i'm not doing it now feel you 100 percent uh, so yeah, I, I, I got one with my wife uh, when we got married uh, and moved to Chicago, and now it's kind of become like a. Uh, it's kind of like collecting postage stamps. I like I guess. it. I mean, they, they obviously one of the hottest like a, trends in the world. Yeah, right now. you know, like, isn't that just the 
more hipster equivalent of, <laughs> of like collecting stamps is getting tattoos. Like your nerdy uh, dad. Is yeah, the, except I'm just going to look really bizarre Delaware when I'm week. like 75. It's just going to be like, dude, was that guy, what the fuck did that guy do? Like, oh, he was a brewer. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. There are, there's, there's lots knives. of little stories. Looks like a tap handle maybe uh, Yeah, there's a, there's a beard tap What's handle. That? What's that guy? The one that lowest on your, towards your wrist. Uh, what, what is that, that, is a, uh, that is just a really angry dog uh, yes. from a local artist called Michelle Mwanhala. Uh Shout Whoa. out to her. She makes some great stuff. I like her a lot. Uh, there's, uh, What's a, the fish? Does fish have any fish. significance? So yeah, I, I'm really into fly fishing. That's awesome. Uh, it's, you know, I like expensive hobbies. That's why I got into beer right. in, the, in the start of this. It's like, oh, dude, I have to buy a heap Do of shit. Do you own yeah. guitars? They're very, <laughs> very deep. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. look, a lot of people revolve around the same hobbies for a lot of the same reasons. Uh, so I fished a lot in Australia, but like no, nothing that was like, super exciting and then uh i took one trip to north carolina and was like fuck uh i found my people uh in a very big way uh so i was down in boone in north carolina my wife's got some family down there and uh i i decided i was gonna be a fly fisherman yeah uh so i'd done a little bit of it in australia and then it just became like a really big thing i started tying flies out of like my dog's hair yeah yeah uh because you know dogs and that shit's all over my apartment uh repurposing yeah Yeah, and then it sort of became like a bit of a joke uh one of my brewer friends who's currently the brewer at uh at the goose island tap room uh the goose island uh clybourne facility yeah he actually cut a big patch of his beard out So I tied a heap of like flies out of his beard and it became like a bit of a thing. So, uh, yeah, that, that is a, that is a fish that I caught on the East Tennessee, uh, border. Uh, so that's like the one that'll never get away. And there's some great stuff about East Tennessee when it comes to that. It's yeah. If you like concrete lawn furniture, it's pretty, and and septic tanks, it's pretty fucking baller. Uh, Yeah. There's, there's a weird part of me that really identifies as a, as a, yeah. Appalachian, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you get yourself a, yeah, no property tax. <laughs> you get some yeah. some low uh, state, no state tax. You, you like, want to talk about like quad bucks and over there. chasing bucks and yep, yeah, yeah. So coming back to the Australian redneck idea, that's that's <laughs> kind of all the same sort of stuff. Uh, so yeah, my wife was kind of just like, well, I guess that's what you do now. So, so we, uh, my my wife's family has like a really small one bedroom fishing cottage up in. Uh, Mosinee, Wisconsin. Uh, it's about like four and a half, four hours north of here, probably. So my my father-in-law uh, and then uh, her grand her grandfather, my wife's grandfather, he likes to tie tie. He loves he loves doing tie. So so he did one out of like my wife's hair from when she was a small child. Yeah, see, me and him can hang out. Yeah, yeah. and then and so grand grandpa's eighty some odd new years old, about as vibrant of a human being as like more energy than I'll ever have. You know, and he. He's got one out of my daughter, my eight-year-old's hair. So uh, he gives me one out of my mother-in-law's hair while we're fishing. The one, <laughs> so I'm, me, my father-in-law, his cousin, we're sitting in the boat. And he's like, "Here, I got one. This was, uh, this was, um, you know, his wife's hair." I fucking snagged a log, <laughs> ripped back. <laughs> ripped. I felt so bad. I'm like, that thing's gone forever. <laughs> just, and that was I the just, last time I we celebrated ruined, Christmas. Ruined a family heirloom, <laughs> yeah. like this. Yeah, my, my wife's put the kibosh on uh, using her hair from the bathroom. Apparently, that's like too much bone collector <laughs> shit. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's a little, it's a little bit too much, much cereal killer Forensics. for her. 
Yeah. Well, she's probably a, a some sort of. She probably has a second life that you don't know about. So she's moonlighting as some. She's like, I don't need my DNA everywhere. I'm right? uh, <laughs> not even angry. I'm just yeah. intrigued. I'm just like, yeah. I'm gonna let this happen. But yeah, so I come back. So it's just they've sort of become like a weird collection of uh, places and experiences. Uh, North Carolina, Canada, San Francisco, Chicago. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's become like a weird all-consuming hobby the biceped one that's like it's a, probably is the most like important a, one is it's that like a, a grim reaper it's with actually like a, a boxing <laughs> robe uh <laughs> it's it's a grim reaper uh his name is bob uh and bob is done doing random activities so this is uh bob as a brewer and he's drinking a little can of poison Oh, okay. Which I think is something that every he's brewer already dead. So yeah, why well, <laughs> I think it's important for brewers and anybody in production to to remind yourself constantly that you're making delicious poison. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. when you're like, man, should I prefer I it called sugar water, but that's fine. Yeah, we but like, should I have poison. six beers every afternoon before I go home? Like, no, nah, no, I probably no, should just have like two. Uh, so I think that's an important thing. I want to do this job forever, so that's an important thing yeah. to remember. Uh, Plus, he just looks pretty dope. Um, yeah, he um, does. He really does. Yeah, he's got a gold tooth, so yeah. he, he knows what's up. There's a little like spot on my counter in the kitchen that, that like, in front of the coffee maker is like a little spot where like you know a 500 milliliter empty bottle or can would you know 16 ounce can would go. And I woke up this morning and started making the kids lunches, and I counted them. I was like, shit. <laughs> A little harder than I want. Just to just remember, <laughs> it's, I, didn't I? it's not a problem. It's a hobby. Like, <laughs> I count. I counted like three or four, and then I looked over to the other, like the island part of the kitchen. I was like, "Shit, there's another can over there. <laughs> it's not even in the graveyard. Like, like this isn't. This was not a good Sunday. I should not have done that." Yeah. What do we say for Thanksgiving? We had a, a oh, when we were at my place, uh, there was a lot of people over, and then like. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a lot. It was like six. Let seven. people let people know what you cooked first of all. But we, <laughs> oh no, this is the day after Thanksgiving. Okay. This was the Chinese, Chinese food, food night. <laughs> Chinese food day. Hundred dollars you know, of Chinese food. I I don't have a. I'm not. I don't collect a lot of bottles, but they they do happen. You know, they do start to pile up through time. And that's my recycling section. Yeah. By the way, I don't keep them. I just <laughs> <laughs> that's just what's going into recycling. Uh, and then Todd brought a bunch of bottles over, and then you know we're just like just open the cap throw them on the fucking table let people figure it out yeah and then you know like we all went hard the day before except todd because he wasn't with us for thanksgiving a gentleman uh, yeah but we were we were, we were celine dion <laughs> <laughs> shout out to celine i know you're listening we were we were having a good time on friday and it was just like let's just be honest like let's just stop using the habit or the 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 hobby of craft beer to justify our alcoholism. Yeah. Like, yeah, like we, <laughs> no, we had some really, I'm just in perspective. We had some like beers. beautifully artfully crafted beers from like little fish in Ohio. Uh, those guys make some fantastic stuff. We had a couple of bottles from, uh, around the North Carolina region. Yeah. But Bavana, we, we Brew just Bavana. both came back from Bavana, a big, like, yeah. uh, big trip so we had you know some go to Asheville or uh, yeah like Asheville uh, Asheville a bunch of rich men I uh, had a bunch of cans from rich men from Raleigh just North a bunch Carolina. of juice from uh, the answer or what? Uh, <laughs> Vail we had Vail. some Vail juice Vail and um, yeah so it was just a big dump of a bunch of random yeah so things. we had all these like weird array of beers from that part of the world and then some tall boy mango white claws cause hell yeah Cause why not? I don't care what anybody says. Those things are delicious. No, you can suck my dick. I don't care. I love fucking white claws. <laughs> yeah, I black oh, cherry. I was, I was making mango. claw on Thanksgiving Day. I was making claw moses, which Ooh, I like that. Yeah, champ, uh, sparkling 
claw and juice. It was a lot. Yeah, somebody Sun made me, me like up. a cocktail <laughs> similar to that. It was like those. You ever seen like those little like they're like sparkling water types in a bottle, and they're called like ice or something. <laughs> yeah. They're like ice. I think is the name of the brand or whatever. And there was like a yellow, like a like a Mountain Dew colored looking one. And then somebody took some wild blossom mead, uh, like oh, a passion or something, a little of that, and then a little rum and something. Yeah, uh, Sun it was fantastic. Yeah, that there sounds was, delicious. I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm good with this. That's well, gonna, we that's we, a, we just kind of touched on like a trip to uh the south i guess but i were talking about the tattoos and and my fishing and stuff so like i, I try to go down to north carolina once a year well, like i said uh Very my wife's green. got some family out there yeah it's nice to see some topography in Lovely. general uh yeah. once you once you spend a lot of time in the midwest not being from here you really miss hills uh so i i appreciate going down there for that yeah. uh so we go down there and there's a lot of breweries that we we just think make some really great stuff and we uh, were lucky enough this year to do a collab with Burial and then go oh, to... Oh, shit. I was going to bring up Burial, but that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I know you guys did a collab Yeah, we did uh, uh, a red corn lager with those guys, and then we went <laughs> to their... F- it's yeah. not even hazy? That's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> that's stupid. No. <laughs> yeah. Does that have coffee in it? <laughs> <laughs> you may as well just pack up all this is gear Is there No? No lactose? No nothing? I'm really sorry, dude. Like... What's I endless. don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we went went down to their festival celebrating the uh, the opening of their forestry camp location. Which, if you haven't been, that place is the new beer mecca for me. Really, uh, I just think it's really well thought out. Uh, there's a lot of great beer coming out of that part of the world. Uh, places like Fauna Flora and uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, their Kvass series of beers like. Their Whippoorwill location is like something I dreamt about when I was a you know a young whippersnapper. It's you know, it's just the physical space of it. Yeah, okay. it's it's in the middle of these beautiful mountains. It's uh, stone and timber and wild beer and you know native uh, f- fruits and it's sort of segueing to what I'm about to talk about now is our. While we were down there, we had a lot of pawpaw beers. Uh, pawpaw, yeah. So One of the first questions I asked you before yeah. recording. Does that say pow-pow or pawpaw? Pawpaw, uh, uh, <laughs> because I'm annoying and pow-pow. like riding on the side of the tanks with a chalk marker. Uh, so we'd had all these pawpaw beers and I, I, Jacob and I were both pretty enamored with them. And uh, after we'd come together and done the beer festival stuff we both kind of split off and did our own trips through uh uh on our way back to chicago and on the way got some more pawpaw beers and kept thinking about it and then the next thing you know jacob's ordered 400 pounds of pawpaw uh in which you'll now have to explain yeah so to pawpaw, all of my 200 listeners no. let yeah. let let this australian give you a little history lesson yeah, boy. Uh, so i've had to wikipedia all of this shit because again i didn't know uh, but pawpaw is the only North American indigenous fruit, and it pretty much is indigenous from Canada all the way down to Georgia. Seriously. Uh, yeah. It grows really well in cold climates, but it kind of tastes like a like banana. Eastern yeah, on United the East Coast. States. Yep. Like, okay. it, it's, it's one of the founding fruits of America. Without sure. that, you know, colonizers would have had a bigger problem than what they already had. Uh, it tastes like a banana, a mango, and a papaya had a baby. Uh, has this vivid... Have you uh, sent that down to 450 yet so they can put it in a slushy? That's what I <laughs> want to know. Because 
because that that sounds like something. It's, that, well, see, that this would be is great why I've discovered XL. why people don't use yeah. it as much. Uh, is when you actually go to process the fruit, instead of like a mango that has a beautiful big seed in it, or an avocado that has one nice big, big seed old in, nut in it. Yeah, yeah, as long as you don't stab through your hand, uh, <laughs> avocado hands. Uh, but it's got maybe ten to twelve seeds, about as big as your thumb, or a little bit smaller. Oh. And yeah, there's a lot of it's the a processing. Yeah, I mean, is you're, you're yeah you're yielding about thirty percent off of this fruit. Um, wow, I've used it in the past, and you know, after this uh, East Coast trip that we took, uh, you know, Todd and I split up, and we're both having Paul Paul beers in different locations. And he was just, and I'm just, I'm not gonna lie, like I was in Richmond, Virginia. I was probably at the answer or something, and I was kind of hell yeah. I had had a lot of very strong beer, and then Todd, <laughs> and then, oh beers. yeah, that was that, I, no, no, no. I, I wasn't in Richmond yet. I was in this city called Roanoke, oh, stopping yeah, 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 yeah. and you're at Little Fish, Everybody and you're like Roanoke, Virginia. Come on, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then you're like, hey, I'm having some Paw Paw beer, and I was like, do you want to pull the trigger on it? And knowing <laughs> like knowingly but not unknowingly, I was like, all right. Um, I'm going to reach out to someone real fast and then we'll get 400 pounds. And, uh, how did you know how to source that so fast? Because I've, because I've used, because I've used them <laughs> oh, before. Okay. Jacob, okay. Jacob's always My got bad. a guy. <laughs> My bad. He was uh, like, hold on, I'll get 400 pounds real yeah, quick. Yeah. And it's always, it was one of those things where I'm like, oh God, uh, they're a real pain in the dick, but we're going to, we're going to figure it out. What's uh, the process like to, well, so they're all different. Get what you need. Yeah. Uh, they, depending they, on the, how much, like on the scale of ripeness i guess uh-huh. yeah that's uh, a hugest thing we're, if you're looking at like what it's just shoot for the middle ground you're going to run enough around the outside crack it so it splits into two halves scoop the seeds out uh get the pulp off the seeds and then scoop it the flesh out with yeah like a it's spoon. like picture an avocado that has 12 seeds inside of it yeah like how do you ma- get max efficiency? Like this, you, you can't. Is the flesh of it that's not similar, like mushy, like an avocado, or is it? <laughs> uh, like if it's very ripe, yes, it can be. Otherwise, it has a bit of structure. If it's underripe, it's kind of nearly like an apple. It's got a bit of crispness. Oh to wow! It. Yeah, okay. yeah. So and it's custardy when it's super ripe, and uh, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things I've tiptoed around for a long time, and then again, just being on this trip, I'm like, all right, let's. We just have to do it. We haven't done yeah. it here yet, but anyway, we've. Collectively, uh, myself, Todd, and a couple of volunteers have spent uh, at least six days cleaning 400 pounds of pawpaws, and there's still probably about 40 pounds in the cooler right now that need to get cleaned. Totally worth it. Well, Uh, here's the thing. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. It's a very, it is very delicate. Like, if you're eating it independently, it has a lot of flavor, but it can be very easily overpowered by whatever you put it in. Anything else. Um, Okay. Uh, so, I mean, it's always, it's always, it's in the background, but I mean, if you've never had a pawpaw, you're going to be like, well, this beer doesn't taste like what I think pawpaw tastes like. Uh, and if you've had a pawpaw, you're going to be like, oh yeah, it's there. So, I mean, it's really challenging. I mean, Hopewell, uh, just recently did a pawpaw beer, uh, that I had that was, that was pretty excellent, but man. If you didn't know what pawpaw tastes like, you wouldn't know that you wouldn't even know you wouldn't know where to find it. Yeah. Off a mousetrap, John just they just released a pawpaw beer. Um, Sounds right. Well, the, but so the, the people are using it. They're just you always, but you if you 
you're not going to dump it in a beer where you're heavy handed with anything because it's just going to get lost. So and it is they don't sell a puree that I can just <laughs> dump. No. Uh, that's a yes I'm and a no. I'm just being a smart Yeah, no purees. Uh, um, it, it's, it's a such a, it's one of the original, uh, I don't know if Todd mentioned this, it's one of the original American um, indigenous fruits. However, it's fallen out of favor because it, um, because uh, it's not a conventional fruit. It's not a one size uh, peel and then yield full everything. It's not like a banana where you can just peel it and be like, all right, this is everything. Or an orange or the com- commercialization of fruit has basically destroyed the pawpaw because it is, is so challenging. And when we're manipulating it, you know, we need it 400 pounds. Uh, so um, a rancher was, or not rancher, uh, f- grower um, had to stagger out his harvest so he froze about 30% of them. Um, 30% of them were ready to go like immediately. And the other 30% were super ripe uh, because he had, to just, he had to pick over a longer duration of time. He couldn't just be like fulfill the order immediately. <laughs> because I, so I gave him about you know, a month ahead of time when we needed it. Uh, so um, uh, that's just the way it kind of had to work for us. One, one of my favorite things though was when I saw that Off Color released a pawpaw beer. Uh, first off, super excited that someone else had used the same fruit. Uh, seeing as we we're so enamored. Where's the with excitement it. source? Is it because you're like, I can finally try this, or well, like, it's or just you know, where we are. It's also is it just uh, like this is fucking super unique. I want to. Yeah, yeah, it's also really nice to see like, oh, someone else has thought about that too. Like that's really cool. Like it's not just me kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> the best bit was their uh, Instagram post being like, this was. This is like the worst thing we've ever cleaned. Yeah, uh, that made me I feel so good and justified. And all this hard where I was cleaned. like, "Oh, this this destroyed somebody else as well." Fantastic! This That's almost so made good. you quit your job. Oh, okay. I do. I do good? too. Remember reading that post? Sorry, and, uh, random text messages coming through. He's <laughs> a popular guy. Good uh, thing it's not. It's not on the recording. It's <laughs> you're gonna hear it in your headphones though. I do remember that that post about the uh, the pawpaw, and I'm trying to find it now because as I was reading it, was, I was it like your post? Or are you talking about no? It was it was it was uh, yeah. It was I want to off. It was um, Mousetrap's post. Uh, I know that guy that's at the door right there. His name yeah. is Ryan Walsh. He's awesome. He looks terribly familiar. Just recording a <laughs> podcast here, Ryan. Tell Al Macca he can just wait a minute. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Ryan's awesome. He's yeah. Gonna be like, he's gonna be like, shh, I was never here. Don't put that on the recording. <laughs> so anyways, you were looking for the post from, from yeah, Lafler. Yeah, and, and it was it was basically uh, somewhere on the lines uh, along the lines of, this is incre- like impossibly frustrating um, yeah, you know, emotionally fatiguing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, draining, everything that was just, uh, you know, encapsulated, um, our process as well. Uh, processing this indigenous Midwest fruit, 
uh, known as the Indiana Banana, was excruciatingly and soul-crushing work. <laughs> I could not agree more. <laughs> wait, 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 sorry, say that again. Uh, we, we all just got enamored into our phones for like a split second. Now, let's get back to that. So you, he said, ba- so, so the, basically the Instagram post? Yeah, like from, from soul-crushing. Yeah, it was uh, processing this indigenous Midwest fruit known as the Indiana banana was excruciating and soul crushing. Is that what they call it? The Indiana banana? It's yeah. Indiana like banana, the Carolina custard. Yeah. Apple yeah. custard. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's got a bunch of aliases, but okay. uh, yeah, it's, it's not fun. Yeah. I, I didn't know what arthritis <laughs> feels like, but now I do. And you're yeah. in now. I'm what are you, 30? Thir- you, <laughs> yeah, you but in brewer's arthritis? years, I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm a close to a 50 yeah. right now. I'm 35. I'm pretty sure I have yeah, it too. It's a young man's game. It's a young <laughs> man's <laughs> it's a young game. Man's <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's. So we'll see. Uh, so we've 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 processed almost all of 400 pounds. It's getting dumped in a 10 barrel batch of um, partially acidified uh, wheat beer with all of Caleb's stuff out of Sugar Creek. So you know that sounds like you made that up. Partially acidified. Whatever well, that. because because. <laughs> Um, I mean, just in the same way that goats is are just the si- yeah. No, it's not I, th- a real I thing. like no. It's a it's <laughs> I'm a thing. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're a lot smarter than I am. I promise you that. <laughs> I just enjoy how much you enjoy that. Yeah. It's like yeah. partially is certified. Like, sure. Very like sure. Okay. Sure. Jake's talking again. <laughs> we've uh, yeah. We've probably been to some concerts where we've been partially certified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it has a okay, excuse me a medium level of acidity oh look at that <laughs> i like that i love it when you get serious yeah. uh and then it's the um, high heel neighborhood you reside yeah. in you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then once we uh pitched all the fruit uh we also uh pitched some bread on top of it so it'll referment for about another six weeks uh then uh it won't taste like pawpaw at all <laughs> <laughs> you get none of that banana you yeah get none of it it's just it's we're, it's we're hard, just man. masochists, it's really I guess. It's like what this is boiling down to. Like, I think I think some of our team got upset with us. They're like, "Why are you spending so much time on this?" And it's like, we're committed because I'm committed. Yeah. You know, committed to the idea of you're working through I, Christmas. I, I don't want that poor the the poor 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 farmer. The the poor poor. Pa. Hey, hey, you can't call Waka Waka. <laughs> you can't yeah, call well, this has gone full circle. Yeah, I love yeah, that we'll so much. It all out. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'd hate to think that that guy went to all that trouble to get all that popo fruit just for us to be like, ah, it's too fucking hot. Yeah. No, if anything, my hands hurt. We're done with this. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, there's probably about three farmers in the Midwest, uh, Michigan mainly. That's growing pawpaw, uh, paw and they're probably happy that uh, a bunch of dumb brewers are like yeah. buying their garbage fruit. Well, they probably <laughs> like it. Like, like to do that, you would probably like. You must like it if you're yeah. gonna bother growing it. Right? It doesn't sound I don't like a lucrative fruit. No, it's, it's, it's not, not like anyone for them. Yeah. It's not like Whole Foods is like. Damn, we need like. I mean, it must be like we. I just like when my wife makes desserts out of it, so yeah. I'm gonna keep growing it. So right, like and, yeah, and I no, think I think you're pretty close. And there. you know the, it, I think a lot of these these farmers they ha- they're 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 their orchards like are quite large, but they just kind of don't know what to do with it until all of those, all of us masochist brewers were like, let's put it in beer. <laughs> mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's like, yeah, I'll take 400 pounds. Oh, are you serious? What? <laughs> you mean the secret brewers <laughs> meetings that happen every I, week? I, and they're like, like, what should we put in beer now? <laughs> we I, I'm kind of hoping that there's just like some dude in the Hills just being like, 
Hey, darling, <laughs> they're going to take the pawpaw. <laughs> like, yeah, we did it. He's like, we're going to eat another winner. Yeah, like, I don't know. All right. Oh, my God, that's aggressive. <laughs> we're going to have to decline that. So, yeah. So, it's like, it's like well, well, yeah, I'm t- trying to picture them sticking their head out the, head out the screen door. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> we just got an order for 400. <laughs> 400 what? <laughs> pounds. Pounds. <laughs> For pounds? <laughs> yeah, look, I, I I kind of had that experience last year when I was visiting down there. And uh, my wife and I have got a, 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 <laughs> a sick hobby of collecting tobacco knives. A sick if you, hobby. If you don't know what a tobacco knife is. Yeah, tell you, me more. Look, it essentially is like a homemade machete cross a tomahawk. Uh, so Why? they all look, look, yeah, exactly. Why? Uh, but I collect them now. That's a thing. Um, don't, yeah, don't think about it too hard. Yeah, no, thank I've you. tried thank and it's my goddamn collection. Like <laughs> it's, it's not going to be answered anyway. So I'm in this secondhand store, this antique store and this, uh, woman's talking to me and she's like, oh, you know, we're going through the whole rigmarole of, oh, where are you from? Oh, you're from Australia. That's pretty cool. Uh, and she's like, I was like, what do you do? She's like, oh, I work here and you know, I grow pawpaw. I was like, Papa, Papa. Mm-hmm. We just said that back to each other like three or four Pawpaw. times, and she's like, "You have no idea what I'm like this what idiot you're about. from Australia yeah. can't understand." And then that's uh, we made a connection universal fruit, through Fauna Flora, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, I sold all my pawpaw to Fauna Flora, so I ended up having a big chat to her." So it's it's been something I've wanted to do for a little while now. I'm pretty enamored with the beer projects that are happening down there. Do go down and saw you. Delicious. So yeah, so so basically, you're looking for machetes and found Papa. Yeah, yeah, that's act- yeah, that's succinctly. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what happened. Remember when before we recorded, and I said, I, I just like stories. I just want to hear stories, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I might need, I might need a, a second episode. <laughs> we might need, yeah, but we can, we can, yeah, we can talk. We've yeah. got a fair bit of random yeah. bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're I'm good at that. Why no, it's I not, might it's need co-hosts. It's that we're good at. Sake. It's that we're good at sharing. Oh, you guys really are. It's deep. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful. <laughs> we're thoughtful. Like we we talked right before right before hitting the record button, and we we're like, "Oh, hey, let's let's save the pop up thing." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, we'll round to it right away." <laughs> then we went in 400 other directions. <laughs> Two hours later, you somehow Todd brought us back to Papa, and uh, we and we made that ship. conversation happen. Because I just looked over to the left of me and saw the tanks, and I was like, "Is that say pop pow pow pa?" And he, and he was like, oh, yeah, we'll talk about it. And then we had a delay because people can't stop coming in here when they're closed, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and then we hit record and totally forgot about the pawpaw. And now we just got a good, like, 25 minutes on pawpaw, which I enjoy. Which makes me very happy, I'll be honest. I, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to see what comes out of it. Uh, so it's, it's that and the other beer we're currently working on the most, uh, collaboration with Urban South out of New Orleans. Uh, great outfit down there. We think those guys make some great beer. Uh, Alex Flores, their their head brewers, super great guy. Uh, again, some uh, uh, familial goose connections uh, put us in touch, and and the next thing you know, uh, right, what's that familial? I know Eric. His his, his wife. Eric? His wife. Who's whose wife? <laughs> er, Alex, Alex from Urban South used so to Alex work and goose. Eric not related at all. Not Eric, related. I think Eric's the guy who like wrote the recipe for prop this year. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. related. Two very different. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, I would actually like to put them side by side because they are two <laughs> very different people. Like Jesus, yeah. man. Alex, like, huh? great brewer. Um, 
great head brewer. Uh, he's been in the industry for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been brewing in uh, well San Diego uh, previously, and now is in New Orleans. His wife um, used to work for Goose. Many moons uh, has. Yeah, everybody's wife works for Goose. We yeah, I guess today. so. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. We learned that today. <laughs> and uh, has just managed to kind of uh, bridge the connection. And, and, and every time she comes into Chicago, she would, would always bring Alex here, and we just hit it off. And so we've had a pretty good relationship with those guys uh, at Urban South. Like, we did a collab with them earlier this year. They came up here uh, for Fobab, and we did a beer with them. Um, just, just good people. Yeah. You know? They got a good. They got a good team over there. Uh, over there, uh, south. Down there. Down there. Down there. Yeah. And yeah, over uh, yonder. And man, they were just really hospitable. I I love New Orleans. Um, that was the first time ever going. And when we were on our, when we were taking the Uber uh, from the flight uh, to the brewery, the driver asked us, "How long are you going to be here?" And we said, oh, "About like three days." And he's like, "That's all you need." <laughs> and I was like, "All right." And by the t- by the end of the trip, he was he was he was, he was dead right. He was right. You look yeah. at each other and like, "This is in Vegas. Why yeah, did he say we, that?" We shouldn't do this every year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is an every now and then thing. Yeah, but yeah, but we, we I've never been. I've had one brewery basically out of there, and I loved uh, not New Orleans, but uh, in Louisiana, and that's Parish. And whatever I've had from them has been outstanding. So. Yeah, look, uh, I, I think there's an upcoming scene down there that you know not a lot of people really appreciate, but you know, Urban South is definitely one of those guys that's leading the way down there. And uh, so our, our collaboration here was super fun. They came up for Fobab. Uh, so we decided to brew a beer and Jacob and Alex had been, you know, going back and forth about what was like uh, something that would be fun to make. And they ended up on the, the gin fizz uh, as a cocktail and yeah, how, we, yeah. how we could imagine that as a beer and actually make that work. So we've ended up with a, you know, some juniper in the whirlpool, uh, some wakatu in whirlpool to help push like a, a big lime uh, flavor. And then circulated some Turkish black limes. Coming back to that black lime, uh, he he was really enamored with with the flavor in that vita, in the in the Vitamigo. So tried to incorporate that in there as well. And yeah. so we've got some juniper, we've got some wakatu, some black lime, orange peel. Yeah, it's it's as pretty close to a gin fizz as really? we could we could possibly get it. So super fun little things like that, you know. I can't get enough of that Vitamigo. I mean, like that's. That that beer has just shocked me to like to my core here for what I thought I knew about anything wild or looks like we've done culture. our job then. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's no, all, all I want to do, man. I'm, you know? I, I have like a mental obsession right now. I'm not real good at like tasting and talking about and, and describing in like a Cicerone esque way, you know, sure. things. But like whatever that was made my palate go like, oh, this is something we don't usually have. Sure, but now it's like, can we make that happen again? Like, let's do it again. Yeah. Uh, and one thing that I that we left out, like we're way over time that we said we were going to sit down and talk. So That's I don't cool. want to like murder your guys's day. Uh, you tell me if you want to stop. You yell, uncle. But like, uh, th- it's just not a beer related thing. I just was loved hearing you talk about Thanksgiving. <laughs> we just, oh we just, yeah, we, sh- we, we just got through about Thanksgiving we just a little got bit. Through Thanksgiving, and you know we. Oh, th- I mean, so and Jake's effort for small talk as we meet each other and kind oh, of yeah. set up is like, <laughs> hey, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, how was your Thanksgiving? And all of a sudden there was turduckins <laughs> being thrown around, and now J- I'm interested. Jacob went full Jacob. Yeah, yeah, he fucked up potatoes and turned them into something better. I think. <laughs> 
So, I don't know. In the spirit of f- food uh, and Thanksgiving, um, I guess harnessing some of that uh, culinary background and just wanting to do ridiculous things at some certain points in time, uh, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do a turducken. Not only am I going to do a turducken, I want to rub butter and chorizo between each layer. <laughs> so like I, I said, like food making, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, conceptually, sure, sounds pretty easy. Uh, on you know Monday it night, it doesn't though. I, I, what you think it sounds? Yeah, easy. I guess it does. I don't think that <laughs> sounds easy. So well, welcome to wor- working with Jacob, <laughs> I guess, man. That's <laughs> that's a hundred percent. Yeah, sure. Traducan. I yeah. thought he's 400 Chorizo, pounds of pawpaw. It's going to be easy. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry about it. It'll be fine. Look, it sounds simple on the surface, guys. <laughs> uh, I guess you're right. But, again, I really like liking procedural things. Bought, um, you know, a chicken, a turkey, a duck. Um, deboned it. Uh, brined it. Um, and then um, brined it overnight. And then, uh, or for at least 20 ish something hours um took the skin off the chicken and the duck rendered that and just saved that you know that fat for later for you know future cooking uh stuffed um basically rubbed all of the uh dark meat um you know the thigh and the leg portions rubbed it with the chorizo butter um is it chorizo butter or chorizo and butter? Well, chorizo right. some sort I of mean, I mixed, I mixed right, it like together. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so it already come out of the brine. Um, rubbed the... Uh, what comes first? Yeah, the chicken and then the duck. Um, so, so and then like right stuff, that <laughs> <laughs> stuff that... So I did it to both leg and thigh portions. Um, <laughs> rubbed it, stuffed it in itself. Yeah, you uh, did. Trust it. Uh, so it was real nice, tight, like kind of a roulade style. Did the exact same thing to the breast meat, um, but in a much larger fashion. Um, so large. It's like trust yeah. it, nice and tight. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Tell me how you trust that. Yeah. Mm. So I don't. Know, I don't know if anyone's uh, out there. He's talking about roulades. I'm. I'm so excited <laughs> right now. <laughs> If anyone is this out there, open. <laughs> yeah. Jesus well, Christ. no, it's I about to get even more ridiculous. Yeah, yeah okay, it gets let's go. Better. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. This I'm is the best. This sorry. is what makes me so happy too. Yeah. Like, so, if any of you uh, are familiar out there, are familiar with the process of uh, sous vide, it's when you cryovac or you vacuum seal, uh, whatever. You mean when you dump it in water? Yeah. <laughs> Put it so back you vacuum around seal it, it. Pretty much. Yeah. And then you you can uh, temperature control its cooking Love procedure. It. So and it also cooks in all of its own juices. So that's exactly what I did to the uh, turducken. What, what kind of vessel did you have to sous vide that? Well, I used you have one funny you should ask. You had I one used, like no. jewel or whatever. I on used it, or like uh, I used a twenty barrel hot liquor tank. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. shit! Yeah. Bullshit. Wait, are we supposed to be talking about this? Is no, like, it's, no fine. it's fine. Yeah, it's okay. okay. Just okay. for anybody who's wondering, we dumped <laughs> all that water. It all got clean. Don't don't fucking stress. No, and it wouldn't matter. It was, a, it was in a vacuum. It was but it was also in a vacuum seal bag, and everything was very fucking hot uh yeah so we set our we set our hot liquor tank to 155 degrees circulate on circulate drop the drop the vacuum sealed uh turducken bags inside the hot liquor tank (laughs) okay so how did you do it you break them apart into like dark and light yeah 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 yeah. it was like a dark loaf and uh a light loaf how big were those bags like they weren't i mean like once you debone it you, you guys can't see this at home, but right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm holding my hand yeah. spread. So about it's a, a it's foot apart. It's about a foot foot long, and I'm like okay. Three and a half inches. So let's inches think around. about it this Girth. way. 
Um, the the both of the leg quarters uh, were about the size of a crowler each. Oh, yeah, okay. there we go. All right. That, yeah. See, these, these are good beer terms. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> a crowler is now a, uh, well, a it is a unit of measurement, yeah. but in, in one way or another. In one way or another. Not a liquid, but a and solid. Then, and then the the breast meat was probably about the size of a 750. Hell yeah. <laughs> it was about the length of a 750 and about as round now, as Are we talking a like a Scarlett Johansson <laughs> situation? Or are we talking like a. Like, well, we're talking about breast meat. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, right, so like crowler or like 750. So it's about a 750 long and about as wide as a uh, a growler. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. perfect. Does that make so sense? Great. Yeah. Basically, you selfishly utilize <laughs> tank space for a, <laughs> yeah. for a quick sous vide. So, so what was the what was the time on that? <laughs> uh, about. Five hours. Five hours. Yeah. That's it. Just a five-hour SUV. Well, because like it's that. not done. Awesome. Well, it's not finished yet. That's. <laughs> uh, yeah, it keeps yeah, yeah, yeah. going. Yeah, okay. Because going, then on the f- like you you I left it in the bag and you you let it just rest in its own butter chorizo fat juices, um, mm. and then on the following day open the bags um, like render uh, just basically saved all of the dripping liquids made gravy out of it and then it went on it went and it smoked for about an hour and a half with uh applewood uh what's the temperature i wasn't i wasn't really monitoring temperature unfortunately white claw (laughs) temperature white claw temperature was white it was a very gentle smoke but man those chubs look delicious Mm. (laughs) all the chubs yeah so a very procedural (laughs) intense thing uh and just just to say, just fuck it, you know, like let's just have some let's fun go. with it. Needless to say, Jake, Jacob is like beloved by his <laughs> local butcher, yeah, who For now thinks sake, he's man. just like the coolest guy in the world. He's like, oh, this fucker bought a turkey and yeah. a chicken. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Nope. But no, he's, like, he's, yeah, su- he's wearing like a that skull cap when he came in. Yeah, no, and then like he sous vide that bitch in some brewery yeah, equipment, hipster mm. shirt. Like I don't know what he's doing over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was out pretty outrageous. Um, so, so okay, so we got we get we did the we did the CV we 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 dropped it in the smoker. How are we finishing that is like, and, the, and then it was did the outsides get done by the smoker? It oh wasn't yeah, like it a was torch situation where you got to no 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 no. It smoked really gorgeously. It just had like the skin kind of crunched up ever so slightly, and then uh, sex. and then it was yeah. just like a really nice you know it had that good smoke smoke poultry color, and then uh, and then it just got sliced served on a tray. Um, we did some, we were going to do, since the grill was going, we were going to grill some, like, uh, grill some potato wedges and then finish it with, like, you know, some garlic and stuff. But I accidentally, I guess in, in the excitement of the turducken, I overcooked the potatoes. So then I was like, fuck it, let's smoke the potatoes. So then we made, like, blue cheese smoked mashed potatoes, which are quite excellent. Uh... (laughs) So yeah, uh, <laughs> new uh, Thanksgiving 2020. It's 25 bucks a head. Yeah, uh, right. Like, wait, why, how do we make that? Happen? <laughs> <laughs> do we go to? Do we go to uh, what's his name? Caleb's farm and do this. Oh I mean, god, like, that's actually not a bad idea. How do we make that happen? <laughs> uh, yeah, look, my tiny ass apartment ain't having no, any it's of not you there. Be at Todd's. Uh, Todd's. Yeah, definitely not, not at my place. But uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we had sausage stuffing. Um, bunch of cheese, Takis. Oh, yeah. Takis. All right, so we just had a weird like little stop, but Takis, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Takis alive. And then uh, cheese, and then uh, I, I was uh, poisoned that night by. Um, Do you name names? 
No, I can name names. Yeah. Uh, a man docks this person. Very, very sweet man by the name of Jesse Valenciana. I guess if you know me, you know that uh, he's very close to me. Uh, <laughs> Jesse, the whiskey fairy. Yeah, and every time I took my eyes off my whiskey, he just poured around. more inside of it. He will. Uh, and he'll get uh, you. Yeah, it was a it was a real it was a wobbly night home, but. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, that yeah. looks empty. <laughs> I got a I got a text message from my landlord asking me, "Did you fall last night?" And I was like, "Yep, every, we're all everything's good here." <laughs> <laughs> like, I, just I, like in your, like he just heard you in your space of living, uh, or like, like no, one of the other tenants. Did you like, fall on the lawn? Yeah, the, way, <laughs> the, the best. No, in my space of living, okay. I, yeah, I got a. So one of the other landlords, I guess, heard me fall. Uh, the tenants. That, well, yeah, one of the other tenants, excuse yeah. me, and then they text the landlord. And the landlord. best bit <laughs> is ja- Jacob's fellow tenants have to give him, like, wellness checks. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a beautiful thing, like, oh, looks like the brewer fell down. Again. Yeah. <laughs> They're all, like, 95. <laughs> you should be checking on us. <laughs> so we're so checking yeah, on the look, young if, guy. Uh, if you want to donate one or two dollars to the <laughs> Jacob Sombrano, like, Helmet, Helmet Foundation. Helmet Foundation. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a Life Alert bracelet. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. We're going to do research. We're going to try to fix the CTE that you undoubtedly have from playing <laughs> horse polo. <laughs> 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 and then the ones that Jake's occurring, incurring right now by falling in his apartment. Yeah, he, <laughs> you know. At least you broke break your fall with your head. That's that's yeah. kind of good. And then you animals followed that up with a hundred dollar Chinese night. I mean, yeah. Next oh day. yeah. And the next yeah. day, yeah, we had a bunch of people over and, uh, and just alcohol flowing. Yeah. Yeah, some yeah. yeah. Good quality biz. Is there a lot of like crews getting drank that night, or is it more like, well, let's try some other shit. We're drinking no. booze all the time. That's like? I mean a little bit, but that you know we're also entertaining some some friends from Las Vegas, and then um, like we have a, a a small you know network of friends that generally do these more like non-industry related things even though we all kind of revolve around the industry in some way or another um you know it's just a good opportunity for us to just spend some really good quality time with each other and then uh yeah so not so much cruise just just i mean the beer is is less important than anything else it's the beer is secondary to yeah, the community the secondary. Yeah. however we all the whiskey on the other hand <laughs> Jesse does not think it's secondary. No, Jesse was just trying to poison me. I get it. <laughs> he did a good job at it. The best part is all all the words that he said. All I heard was, "Who the hell is from Las Vegas? <laughs> like, Who, who's actually from Vegas? These these people. Yeah. These people. They're yeah. pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we had a we had a great holiday weekend. Yeah. I mean, and then but all on Saturday, I uh, I lived in darkness all day and spent you know all day on the couch and ordered a uh, hot chicken sandwich and hot oh chicken yeah. sandwich yeah, yeah I, I went with banh mi straight banh bon mi and egg rolls on the couch yeah. yeah i had some of that fried uh i had some of that chinese leftover so <sighs> definitely hit that so chinese that's dope sounds but awesome t- and surprisingly enough a hundred like a hundred ish dollars of chinese food sounds like a lot there Sound wasn't much a, we, it's we, only a lot if you order it by yourself Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, we had a decent amount of people, yeah. but yeah, we killed that pretty quickly. Yeah. So the, the real, the, the last thing I I, w- I will would touch on is the the two years that I've kind of like had you on the radar. It's been like big releases. Last year it was like all these wild, like you had these bottles, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. You, you, you did a barely style too last year, right? Or no? Yeah, we we, yeah. we last year we did uh, Four. we did five releases, yeah. just like we did the Luchador release this year. We did five. This year we did six. Last year we had some a wild release. 
Um, I think it looks bigger from the outside than it actually is. Huge release this year too, though. I mean, like we did, we did really well this year. Yeah, numbers of different beers. Uh, sure. Versus like most people, like we did like one beer, maybe two. Yeah. Uh, one beer and a variant of that beer. Like where's like, I guess I'm looking to my. Ra- I'm like this one, two, three, four, five. I, I guess it comes back to like our original talk about the menu. Like even with like our barrel aged stuff, you want you want to see some depth. You know, there's like a an like OG barrel aged stout, like Ray Gordo is always unadulterated uh, barrel aged stout. That's all it's going to be. Uh, and then there's some spin offs from there, you know, rum barrel aged stout with bananas and coffee and vanilla. Had or that at Southfest, yeah, right? The, you the had Tarzan two things Boy, at Southfest. Yeah. I think that was one of them. Uh, we had Tarzan Boy and, and this, the oak aged uh, Turkish black lime beer. Uh, but yeah, so that we did that. It's blown me away, so. Thank you. Thank yes. you for that. No. Yes. Hearts and minds. Go ahead. Yeah. We did, did a couple of pastry boys, I guess. And then we've always, Jacob and I have both been pretty enamored with the idea of doing uh, imperial blonde beers and then making them not blonde by smashing it with like different berries. So you end up with this glass of purple that <laughs> tastes like fruit and chocolate. Everybody and like purple drink. Yeah, it's, know. you know, so our, our barrel age program has has a bit of, you know, some weird and wonderful characters and some straightforward stuff as well. Some flash, uh, some delight. Yeah, like we, we started out with a barley wine and then we did a, a wheat wine and then this year we did an oat wine uh, and next year's TBD, I'll leave that one as like a little surprise. That's going to be fun. Hitting the kids with the TBD. Yep. Mm. They know what it means. As <laughs> long as, as long as it's safe, you know. <laughs> Just don't want to put the yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so how the release go? You guys put that up against like Bourbon County, don't you? Like uh, it's like the same time as no, I we like don't. Oh god, oh, no. no. Well, other mean, people, other people do. Well, okay, yeah. Our, our but it's design. like timing wise, no. Uh, no, we, we released it. Early. We released it on oh, okay. like November second or third. Oh, or okay. So you, you know, we do it the week before Fobab. Oh yeah, that would make yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. So what's the what's the one that's gotten you guys the most kind of like commercial play right now? Like what's everybody like? Holy shit! Yeah. yeah, Tarzan Boy and Lo- and Senior Incognito are t- two of the beers yeah. that like. What's uh, Senior Incognito? That's uh, it's a rye stout with uh, pecan, coconut, and cinnamon. Okay, that would do it. And then uh, you got my pastry boy yeah. pants excited. Yeah, Tarzan boys rum, rum barrel aged stout with yeah. bananas, coffee, vanilla. That I've had. Well, I had last year's. So I don't yeah. know if it's the no, same this, thing. This year's uh, much more refined and. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so those are the beers that people kind of gravitated towards more a little bit. Okay. Those are the ones driving them sales. Yeah. Yeah. This the, uh, this is pastry the f- boys hyped up. This is the first time. Uh, we 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 actually had we had people show up. Stop it. We we had Stop people it. like waiting at the Shh. door. I'm like, well, don't tell anybody. Yeah, well, that was that was kind of the most. You didn't even release a beer today. There was people waiting at the door <laughs> all morning. That was like one of the no most beer. exciting things. Is like looking up uh, the beers post release on uh, Untapped, and I, I don't usually do that. That's not something that like. You did uh, say you were a mascus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It <laughs> is a good I way to do it. Yeah, yeah if if you want to feel belittled, I don't really just like stouts. <laughs> Two point two five <laughs> bottle caps. <laughs> That's always my favorite. Like when people are just like, "Oh, I hate saisons." I don't even star. taste any corn in that why Mexican lager. Why the fuck did you just buy that? Anyway, uh, we had people show up and have some really great feedback for those beers, and that was that was really really fun. But we released uh, three vintages. We had 2017, 18, oh. 
and 19. So cool. if you wanted to pick up like a, a vertical flight, you could do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're excited to you be guys, able to do those things in the, you in the future. You guys are so corporate vertical flights. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. That's, that's really cool. That, yeah, the program, I've heard it. You know, like, uh, you know who really likes your guys' program, which I'm sure you know he does, but uh, Mike uh, Zoller over at... Uh, yeah. Uh, porch drinking he you know i talk to him whenever i get a chance to run into him somewhere and he really he can't say enough about you guys and what you're making and and just the just why does nobody know about why does nobody like understand what they're doing there it's yeah that's kind of what untapped was feeding back to me after the release was just like this is right yeah Yeah, it's really it's really gratifying but at the same time when you're reading stuff being like man this is the best beer i ever had i hope nobody ever finds out about them like (laughs) oh okay thanks but no thanks yeah there's there's a there's a certain um desire we have to protect uh what we have uh, because we just don't have the volume you know and, and and volume is a really hard thing for people to like really understand. I think because um, we just think that there's like this never-ending flow of it, mm. and that's not you guys true. Didn't make two thousand bottles of each of those? No. Oh, <laughs> well, so why don't you just do it again? Like that is the worst thing. Yeah. Nah, just say. make it again. Just do it again. You can't use the same Buffalo Trace barrel or same <laughs> Heaven Hill barrel, or th- and just make it exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, you guys are weird. I don't. Know. I don't like talking to you guys. So <laughs> yeah, it, it presents a lot of problems <laughs> for us. Exactly the same right now. <laughs> so I, you know, I think we're we enjoy uh, just organically uh, generating a buzz around a program that we work really hard for, but also mm. um, just uh, you know not selling out of all of it uh, or not having like line like storming lines or anything like. Uh, uh, yeah. I think uh, we we like being a little little sleeping giant yeah, hidden definitely. gym. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And if you're into like dudes wearing luchador masks, right? Like you guys are the brewery for that. I'm yeah. I'm very much yeah. Thing? I'm 100% into okay. that. Uh, look, if you come in, you're wearing a luchador <laughs> mask. Not on Mondays. Not, not on, on <laughs> not on Mondays. Not on Mondays. But the like only the only the only people who get in on Mondays is UPS and FedEx and podcasts and, and podcasts. podcasts. Yeah. I fucking nailed it. <laughs> yeah. If you want to wear a luchador mask here, do it and yeah. we can wrestle. That's, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Just know that when you walk through the door, you already open the invite for yeah. Todd to come if, out of the if, back. If you walk through the front door wearing you. a luchador mask <laughs> on, shit's on for young and old. Like, yeah, man. We're, we're, we're throwing down. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you guys are obviously... You are. Uh, I, I was going to say you should be proud, but like you guys are obviously proud of what you're doing here. I mean, it's a it's a great spot. Everything's everything's awesome. We know the food's great. We know the beer is good. Um, and like you said, you have like these kind of core brands, these things that kind of can relate to everybody. But there's so much more to you guys than what what's being canned and and put out in the market. So it's it's kind of a you should probably visit situation. Like you should probably be here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Please do. Uh, well, I try to do my best to just avoid talking about the food for the most part. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Bring the f- bring bring people in. You know, tell yeah. people how great Look, the food my is. Uh, maybe we should pick one thing off the menu each that we both really really enjoy. Uh, for me, my go-to thing uh, is actually on Fridays the taco, uh, the fish Friday taco special. Baja fish tacos. Baja fish right tacos. Those things should be illegal. They're delicious. I eat way too many of those. But that is my number one thing on, on Fridays. Definitely get the fish tacos. The hot chicken tacos on Wednesday. Wednesday special is delicious. And then uh, 
actually, I don't eat it very often because it will murder me, but the Cubano Tlaudo oh, is damn. excellent. Yeah, if you, if you like a Cuban sandwich, this thing's That's like the shit. Okay. Cuban sandwich. Nacho pizza. Nacho pizza. <laughs> what? It's like a turducken. That's <laughs> 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 the Blanca turducken. Sounds like that's what we're really good at, I guess. Yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> just, ro- just rolling shit together and putting it in a fermenter yeah. <laughs> and, and smoking it. Hot yeah, disease. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, I wish you would have taken video of you actually making that turducken. But anyways, no, the, there's there's some videos floating around. I, 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 <laughs> I, the, the focus about today was the beer, so I didn't want to be like, you guys are a Rick Bayless restaurant with great right, food. Right, right. Let's talk about it. No, like, thank you. I appreciate that. The yeah. food's amazing, but like the beer... Uh, the, the I would like to talk. I feel like I feel like Ryan and Craig did a great job covering the Wild series last year. So I didn't want to like bog you guys down, but that thing blew my mind. That that was awesome. So the Wilds that you guys are doing, the the program all itself. Like, do you guys have anything coming up you want to talk about real quick before we sign off? Because all the awesome people will make it two hours and forty five yeah, minutes into not, the recording. Not beyond the uh, pawpaw and the gin uh, fizz beer. Yeah. And then we're just putting our heads down and replenishing uh, a lot of our wild beer inventory and uh, a lot of our barrel aged uh, imperial stuff just to close out the year and um, just kind of taking advantage of a bit of a slower time and then. We're gonna keep doing little special tappings here and there of uh, some fun stuff, and then just, just keep moving forward. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just excited to be able to fill up some spirit barrels again and get our barrel age program turning back over, get the wilds turning back over. But yeah, to pretty much echo what Jacob said, I'm looking forward to the holiday season, and I think anybody who's like coming into cruise. Uh, the next couple of weeks and you're looking for something weird just talk to your bartenders uh they know as much as we do and i hope they do you want uh, something weird <laughs> yeah come here come back here little kid <laughs> come here boy <laughs> yeah so, uh, so like what what can people get outside that tap list can they get a couple bottle pours or something wild like yeah you guys kind of throw those availability got a, on yeah like a we've got a list. bottle menu down uh the to-go list there's a there's a cooler behind the host stand with you know all the cans that you can get from cruise blanca around the city they're going to be here, uh, as well as our specialty bottles. We, we hold some cold. Uh, there's, you know, some of the barrel-aged beer to go as well. Uh, and, and we rotate through those menus pretty regularly. So uh, there's a little bit of everything for everybody. Uh, if you're looking for, like, a thoughtful gift or maybe just a gift for yourself, uh, definitely get around some of that barrel-aged stuff in those wilds. They're pretty yeah, special. There's always something, always something fun and unique and that we're trying to provide for people, so. That Vita Mika, that's the one you want. I'm telling you. Sorry. Great. I'm biased at this <laughs> point. I mean, maybe you would open like five other ones and I'd be like, these are the best. This is the best one now. This is the best <laughs> one. But that, whatever that black lime does to it is like just such an awesome flavor that's just, I'm not used to it. It's not yeah, something that I you. get everywhere. And it's just, you want to keep going back to it, that kind of thing. So, so Cruz Blanca, thank you guys. Jake, Todd, I appreciate you taking all three Pleasure. hours with yeah, me. Thank yeah, you. I know you have other shit to do on a Monday and people that we could have fed and, and watered, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, seriously, cheers. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, man. Yeah, Thanks for having cheers, us. Guys. Cheers. Thank you.